For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Morning all, Friday morning, and uh, hopefully you're looking forward to a good weekend, whatever you have planned. One great way to start it, particularly if you're at work with your workmates, is to win our free Food Friday giveaway, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters Piri Piri Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So text who you are and where you are right now uh, to 0868104106, and I'll start those shout-outs in about 45 minutes' time, and I'll tell you about all of the food. It'll feed between 15 and 20 of you. It's delicious, like everything from Roosters Piri Piri. So it's your opportunity to feed the whole workplace. Text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. It's important to stay on top of stories that have been covered on this programme and indeed by uh, the media in general. And one of the ones recently uh, had to do with St. Finbar's Road um, and that area where people were living in awful and atrocious uh, conditions. Now, there was a letter sent um, to uh, all of the residents, uh, I believe yesterday, from representatives at Cork City Council, just updating them as to what's going to happen. Um, and I will go through it in a little bit more detail, uh, but it is a story that dominates both the front of the Echo and indeed the examiner, with the examiner saying that they're going to rehome all of the residents while works will be done to refurb. Now, how much refurb will be needed? Um, where, but, um, Owen English carries the story in, the, in this morning's examiner that you could be talking about demolition and regeneration um, subject to getting the money for it. So nobody has to move out now, um, but certainly talks uh, and all of the residents are being encouraged to get in touch and there are days set aside for them to talk to city officials as to what the next move will be. So more about that in a few minutes' time. Like the Echo, pull no punches on this. They say the flats are to be demolished. But I've read the communication um, from City Council to all of the residents um, and, and listen... You know, far be it for me to comment as to whether it's good or not. But to be honest with you, if I were to say one thing, I can't see how they could do it any better than what they're proposing to do. But if you're a resident, I'd love to hear uh, your thoughts uh, on the matter. Uh, Other things that involve, uh, say, um, you know, planning or government or local government or on board Planola and stories like that. Is an extraordinary example of it in the examiner this morning. Again, an Owen English story. It's a man by the name of Dennis O'Regan who lives with his wife and three young daughters down in Ballant Temple, right? And they do have one car, but they love to cycle. Uh, and they're trying to stay fit and healthy and do what they can for the environment. And they want to be carbon neutral uh, themselves as a family. So what do they decide to do? Well, they decide to put in um, a, a bike storage box in the front of the house. But the planners have said no, because it could set an undesirable precedent for other people to do the very same. I mean, you do need something uh, for your bikes. Um, I was going to say in the winter, but with the Irish weather, it could rain at any time. Uh, So you need to protect them. Uh, I, I just sometimes wonder how in the name of God they come up with these kind of rulings like a family who like to cycle but yet they say that putting this box in the front of the, in their front driveway would constitute visual clutter and represent a disorderly form of development <laughs> give me a break it's far from funny I suppose for Dennis O'Regan and his family but there it is nonetheless that's bureaucracy for you uh, gone mad now many of the papers obviously continue to talk about the MV Matthew and continue to talk about the trawler that was bought down in Castletown Bear, a 15 metre trawler like they we're getting more information all of the time and um, the examiner this morning are talking about what uh, what uh, Barry Roach in the Irish Times was talking to me about yesterday morning and that is that the MV Matthew the mothership 
the big cargo ship um, probably did an awful lot of drops along France and Spain and maybe even Portugal before it kind of chugged its way up to Irish waters to link up with the with the with the fishing trawler for the last maybe two and a half tons of cocaine. So. Not much more to say about that. Uh, but what is interesting is some more information being released with regards to the purchase of the fishing trawler. Two foreigners rocked up. Now, it's a 15-metre trawler called the Castlemore. It had been on the market for three years and it was owned by a member of a prominent fishing family down in West Cork. And all too often, fishing boats uh, and owners of fishing boats they have to put them up on chocks and not go to sea because of the insane uh, strict EU fishing quotas um, for Irish fishermen. Uh, we won't say any more about that for now, but that means that an awful lot of them are decommissioning their uh, their fishing boats. But anyway, these two characters rock up anyway and they agree a price, something in the region of uh, 400 grand. It was a non-cash sale to the buyers. They said they were going on a fishing trip to the UK, but actually they were plotting to hook up with the MV Matthew. Um, after a test run... A bill of sale was drawn up and the new owners quickly bought and installed a top-of-the-range satellite system from Elon Musk's SpaceX firm and off they chugged out of Castle Dunbar. And that's, of course, when the... um when the wheels came off the pram. Within hours, uh, they said they were going to, to Devon, but they actually rocked up in the wrong direction for it and hit a sandbank, and we know the rest of it. Uh, but one or two other aspects to the story, like the star this morning says, there is a Kinahan link to all of this. There's a big cartel of which the Kinahans were part of, bringing all this cocaine over from South America. And now that um, they're saying, uh, they claim now in the star today, that the Kinahan organisation uh, face a 50 million cartel bill. But again, the question is to be asked, surely be to God a huge big cargo container ship like that wouldn't have been coming over from South America with just two and a half tons of cocaine on it. But there you have it nonetheless. Uh, all sorts of talks of mobsters involved in uh, this massive uh, what potentially could have been a much more massive haul. Uh, see that one in the in the mail this morning uh, and you can kind of understand it where doctors talk of being headbutted, bitten, spat at, kicked and even held at gunpoint. There's a story in the Mail this morning saying that three in five medics are reporting abuse by patients or indeed family members. Um, It's awful reading because um, they faced physical and verbal abuse from patients and their relatives in the past year. So people obviously are anxious and worried about their loved one or worried about their own condition. A lot of the time then doctors and medics would be dealing with people who are completely out of it and are very angry because they don't know where they are or what they're doing or they could be on something. Uh, but it's a story this morning that shows that um, sometimes it even can be family members who are getting who get exasperated and impatient and they're worried and they get angry then because they think that enough isn't being done for their loved one fast enough and they lash out. They headbutt, bite, spit, kick or in one case hold at gunpoint. Good God. Um, if you thought NAMA went away, we still get very interesting stories regarding NAMA. I would, I would love to talk about this story in a lot more detail but I just don't have time. Uh, but it is a front page and inside page story that makes the mail today. I think you might be intrigued with it. Nama um, sold a property that at one stage uh, was worth around 10 million euro. It was a property portfolio in Donegal, once valued at around 10 million. They sold it at a knockdown price of 265,000 euro. Now, you're probably listening to me saying this and you're thinking, sure, we've heard of those kind of stories all of the time, all these little deals that were done and people getting stuff for half nothing. 
that's fair enough. But just looking at this story. So they decided to sell this property portfolio for 97% below the former market value after a receiver overseeing the sale was intimidated um, and actually resigned from the job. So this massive write-down occurred after the receiver who was appointed by NAMA to sell the asset was intimidated into quitting his job. So after the resignation of the receiver, the original owner of the asset, the 10 million euro portfolio from Donegal, approaches NAMA to purchase the land back, right? But apparently, the jigs in the reel, it's the brother of the owner that gives the finance. And they come up with 265 grand for the deal, which was even fronted by someone else who had no relation to the family. It's bizarre. And a right shady bit of carry-on. The PAC chairman, Brian Stanley, said that the story sounded like something out of the Wild West. He says, all that's missing is the hats, the horses, the guns and the sheriff. He says, it's an incredible story. And the brother rocks in with a bag of money on the side of the horse. And it's absolutely incredible and a national scandal that it was allowed to happen. Um, So I can't say much more about that because I don't want to get stepped myself in court. But it ultimately meant that it was sold back again for 265,000 when it was at one stage worth 10.3 million. As the fellow says, you couldn't make this up. Uh, Meanwhile, back in the real world, uh, people are hit with more and more increases in all sorts of different aspects of their life. And if you thought that we were over the worst of petrol or diesel or home heating oil, I hate on this Friday morning to be a purveyor of doom and gloom, but petrol and diesel are heading back to two euro a litre. And... Don't worry about it, or at least do worry about it. The cost of your home heating oil will also rocket upwards. Do you want to know the reasons that have been given? Well, they say it's a surge in crude prices, crude oil prices. It's also the weak euro. It's also, um, you know, the euro's relationship to the dollar. All of these kind of things. I think they have a shelf somewhere uh, with excuses on it, and they pull down different excuses, and they rotate them and use them. So you're going to see more increases, unfortunately, and it's a front pager that makes the independent today. Don't even talk to me about utility providers. I had the most frustrating afternoon yesterday with bored gosh. Do you know when you're on to telephone lines and you're on hold and hold and hold and you get to hear this awful music and then you eventually talk to someone and you're back and forth with them and they keep putting you on hold and 45 minutes into the call, what do they do? They cut you off. It's 45 minutes out of your life and then you go through the whole process again. Uh, All told, and I'm none the wiser, um, I was at least two hours, maybe longer yesterday afternoon. And wouldn't it put you in shocking bad form? Why is customer service so, so bad? My experience yesterday with Board Gosh was absolutely appalling. And then I suppose the same could be said if you're trying to wonder why your car insurance or your house insurance, your business insurance is going through the roof and you're on phone lines trying to talk to somebody. It's impossible to talk to anybody now. Michael O'Donovan, who runs the Castle Inn in Cork City, and he's uh, uh, also helping the Vintners, he's talking in the independent today about um, in the hundred years that the Castle uh, Bar has been open on uh, Castle Street, South Main Street area, um, he's um, only had one claim in a hundred years and his insurance is nine grand a year. It seems to go up by something like 800 euro a year. There's only been one personal injury claim against his family business in 100 years, but everything in Ireland, of course, goes north. So there's an example in the Castle Inn in Cork City, and I'm quite sure a lot of other businesses 
can see likewise. I see Bono making all of the papers today, makes the front of the mirror. He thinks that he will see uh, United Ireland in his lifetime. And then, uh, while this might be an English story, uh, it, it, is, it has taken root in more ways than one, or maybe the opposite should be said, in the Irish papers as well as in the UK. Because, you know, we all have our beautiful photographic places where we love to go and different iconic things. You know, um, I'm not saying that what happened to this tree in England would be like somebody blowing up Shandon, but I think you know what I mean. Apparently, this is a 70-foot sycamore tree in the Sycamore Gap on Hadrian's Wall. Now, it's um, it stood next to Hadrian's Wall for 300 years. Imagine a tree like that, 300 years. And apparently, they've recently arrested a 16-year-old in the UK who cut it down with a chainsaw. You might know the tree, incidentally, uh, because it's uh, halfway along Hadrian's Wall and it featured in the uh, Kevin Costner film Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Somebody, and they claimed that it could well be this 16-year-old, in the dead of night went up and cut it down with a chainsaw. It is a barbaric act of vandalism. And, and while it's not in our country, um, people are very upset about it. Um, and there's some beautiful photographs of the tree um, in many of the papers today. Lovely colour photographs sadly, of it standing and blooming and healthy, and then on its side having been cut down with a chainsaw. Um, And if you think of things that last the length of time, um, if I said to you, 1965, Julie Andrews and Christopher Plummer, would you know what I'm talking about? You would, The Sound of Music. It won five Oscars, including Best Picture. Tells the story of this Austrian naval commander. You know that and his seven children. Uh, They're forced to flee from the Nazis. It's a huge hit in our house. Uh, not not necessarily with me. I like to sit down and watch it with the rest of the gang, but my family absolutely love it, and perhaps you do too. But the story this morning has more to do with Christopher Plummer because he once said, where is the effect that it was very difficult doing the film with, um, with Julie Andrews because she has the perfect singing voice. He was always conscious of that. But he did sing, right, all of his song parts. But then they decided not to use them and they brought in somebody else to sing the Christopher Plummer songs, including Edelweiss. But anyway, um, he was very angry about that back in the day. But he died in 2021 at the age of 91. But he's going to have his moment in the sun because they are now going to release the version of the film soundtrack that includes his original vocals for all of his song parts, including Edelweiss. So I mention it to you guys that are fans of the film because that's something to look forward to, just see what Christopher Plummer actually sounded like. A lot of food stories making the papers today, can I tell you? And I'll be talking about food a little later on this morning because we did some really good research online asking you guys, what's the most cooked dinner? Not bought in now or delivered or anything like that or taken out of the freezer and thrown in the oven. What's the most cooked dinner and the most popular cooked dinner in Cork families. And I've got some great research and answers from you guys on that one. But they are talking in the papers today that the prawn cocktail, and of course the prawn cocktail would have been the absolute number one starter, certainly in the 1970s. Wouldn't it have been along there with the volivants and the fondue? Everybody had a fondue or you got one as a wedding present. And the most one of the most popular desserts back in the day, the baked Alaska. They've all gone west now to a large extent, except for the prawn cocktail. It's still in the UK, tops the menu of the nation's dream starter. In fact, the dream three course in the UK is the prawn cocktail, steak and chips with peppercorn sauce, and apple crumble and custard for afters. Now, I would have that all day long. What about you guys? Text 0868104106. 
Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Just for fear I run out of time later on, I saw the most beautiful post the lads showed it to me last night that I've seen in a long, long time. And it's hats off and credits to everybody at Hurleyhees Centra. Um, it's a fabulous thing. It's the Corraheen branch, isn't it? It's just up the road from us here. And they posted... Dear parents and students, Hurley Centra are always here to help, especially now that the evenings are getting darker and winter is closing in on us. If your child has missed their bus or their lift, or if their phone has died, they can always come into Hurley Centra and Bishopstown to wait for you. And of course, we will take care of them and they can use our phone. It's a friendly place where they can be warm, dry and safe until they're collected. Never be stuck. Isn't that just the most beautiful thing? Wouldn't it warm your heart, lift the heart um, when you hear of a gesture like that from business? And well done to Hurley Centre and Bishopstown. It is a very kind thing to do. And parents will, will, will thank you for it because you never know. Um, a parent might have a child that might get stuck uh, and you don't want them out in the rain and it will be dark and God only knows in the world we live in now. So well done. I just wanted to mention that because I saw it last night and I thought, God, wouldn't it be lovely if more of that? It would be really nice. Um, I want to just check in uh, because we're not just talking about Noonan's Road. We're talking about St. Finbar's Road. We're talking about 4th Street and we're talking about Dean Street. So in total, it's like 164 council tenants on all of those different areas. Um, that'll be 129 adults and their children. They've been told by City Council that the decision of council is to demolish their homes, redevelop the site, and then they can go back if they so wish to do so. Now, they're 60 years built now. I'm reading from Donal O'Keefe's article on the front of the Echo today. But let me just check in and see um, what the response to it is from residents. I don't know whether they've had to, a chance to talk as a group or get together and have a natter about it. But Janice, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Well, good to talk to you again, one of the residents of the area. Yeah. What do you think of that? Very happy with it. Yeah, I, actually, happy. you know something? I don't think they could have done any better than that. Do you? No, no, not at all. It's brilliant news. We're all so happy. It's actually brilliant. Like, everything they said they do, they've done it. And, like, we wouldn't have been able to do it with a will more brain. It's absolutely, we're, we're on air. Honest, no. And in fairness, they've also set aside, I have the letter here in front of me, that the, they will put together a council team who will engage with all of you in person uh, and it'll happen the 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th and 6th of October, open all day long from 9 to 5 to come in to chat, to listen, to ask questions. I, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. In fairness, we criticise them enough, but I yeah. would say this is a good move. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. I, I couldn't be happier and like it's it's fantastic <laughs> as, I, as you say they've done everything they promised for us so oh it's brilliant yeah a lot, a lot to do with people power though you guys had enough of it oh, and you stood yeah, your ground yeah. and you had William O'Brien front and centre for you William good morning good morning Neil you can't take away from the power of the residence pal and yourself as well what do you make of it well, Neil, I suppose yourself as well, and Seamus. That's and, all right. Uh, the media got involved yeah. in it, in fairness, we did, but it was all yeah, down to well, you guys in the end of the day. No, no. Well, look, we're all part of the one campaign, Neil. It was a psychosocial health issue uh, once everybody had uh, been aware of the situation. And, and as I said, look, uh, from the WhatsApp group that we set up, um, you can see the parents uh, and then the, the individual comments that, you know, people are happy. They've, re- they've been recognised, you know, Finally. Ah, listen, we went into some... People were kind enough to allow us in. Kevin was in many of the different apartments and homes. So was Seamus, and we videoed and photographed, and it was horrifying. And, in fact, without wanting to labour the point, I have some more photographs from Noonan's Road inside and outside this week, uh, and um, I know it's early in the morning to be talking about rats and rat traps, but it seems to have been getting worse there, so... 
this is good news, not before time. What's your understanding of what will happen, William? Well, after reading um, Councillor McFinn's um, uh, report as well and the examiner, it just seems that, um, you know, this was something that was on the table for years and it, it needed that push over the line. So it's, it's exciting, but it's going to be a lengthy process, Neil. Um, it's a big re- regeneration, but as of now, there's still health concerns in Noonan Road and the local areas because of the rat infestation. Yeah, I yeah. think that's, that's, pri- that's priority because when you see these pictures come into the WhatsApp group, and I know these people you know personally now and their children, you know, the council need to really take action and I hope that the transfers are sped up for their health. Yeah, well I have seven or eight different photographs here from different properties inside and out and uh, each and every one of them involves um, uh, either a running or a caught and rat, a trapped rat. So they're talking about demolition, aren't they? Yeah, so like as, as of now, uh, people are still trying to come to terms with it that they're living in defective properties that have been uh, disclosed from the report. Um, so like it, it's kind of a hazardous area, Neil, um, People have been highlighting fears and I just hope that, you know, there's swift action, okay. you know, to, to, to you know, protect people's health. Okay. It's, it's, we're on the winter now. We're on okay. the winter time now again. Yeah. Um, so, Janice, this isn't going to be today or tomorrow. It will be in the foreseeable future. Uh, but you, but yeah. you, it will be a demolition, say, for instance, of where you live. Um, where, where, where do you think you will go in the interim period? Because it, that will be quite lengthy, that time out. Well, I suppose... Like, well, no bother. Like, I, I had a few things that, that were wrong, my windows and all that. They, they, they came out and they fixed them. So, like, as, as I said, I know it's not going to happen overnight, but, like, I'm, I'm happy how it's going, to be honest. Well, you are also talking about rotting and crumbling balconies, asbestos, right. damp, yeah. mold. I mean, it's, it's beyond, yeah. it's so, beyond a clean up. Like, this is, this oh, is yeah. not on yeah. the cards anymore. Oh, um, I know it. Yeah. So, so as, but also, I'm just thinking, William, aren't some people homeowners though as well? Yeah. Yeah, I met um, a couple there after the report came out, and you know they're being looked after by their local TD, who's helping in the you know the the process of the transfer and stuff. Um, so like, there's a lot of work going on with the councillors, Neil, and the TDs. Um, as they said, look, it's it's where it's meant to be now, um, and we do feel that um, everybody will be looked after, um, but. You know, you still don't want anything to go wrong for people because we do have the defective balconies. Uh, the roofs are bad. In the short term, I, I know that. Yeah, I know. You, you still, like, it seems like, you know, I, I wouldn't be, you know, like I'm in a different position here. I'm looking in on this and, and, and being on the campaign. I would just hope nobody gets hurt and that's still my... In the short, mindset. between now and when they move out. I understand what you're saying. I'm cognizant of that. But do you think that they have a, an issue trying to find 164? Well, it mightn't be that many, but, you know, it, it certainly would be many, many, many homes for people to go into temporarily? I'd say, Neil, you know yourself that there's properties out there that other, you know, activists would be highlighting that are idle fears. So, like, I say there's a lot of housing stock that could be, you know, I suppose, brought into the situation that were that these families find themselves in and that, you know, um, the TDs and councillors would know that as well, that it's a collective approach that, you know, action needs to be taken every day of the week. Because it's a serious situation um, in our local area um, that has been created really by a lack of investment. So, if there is properties there and uh, the executive are aware of it and the councillors, obviously it would be common sense to say we need action. Uh, people need to be looked after, and I suppose the quicker that places are, are you know, secured, um, it, it, it sounds like they're being demolished. Um, and that's it. That it's just it's a hazard living in these properties, and people have known it for years. 
Yeah, no, it would be. I think they are really talking about, um, at this stage, redevelopment, which would mean that they would move everybody out, take it all down and rebuild. So you're talking about a fairly lengthy period of time. Would you have any idea, Janice, of where your relocation might be and other residents like you? Don't. I don't, to be honest. Um, I'd, I'd like to stay in the area, to be honest, but... I actually, I actually don't know, to be honest. Right, you don't have you don't have a preference or anything, but say, or do you have a preference? I'd I'd like to stay around like Balvihan area, talk not talk or Greenmount. You know, it, it not too far with yeah. the schools and for the kids. So as I said, just just happy that that's something that's been done and. I, I know I will get out of here now and, and everything will be sorted. So you, but you'll be but you'll be looking forward to going back into into the new build. Obviously, I'd say, would you? Because because it's a lovely community, all the same. It's a lovely community. If we like, we could take all our neighbours and actually make us all neighbours somewhere else. We be brilliant. So I think that's what everyone's worried about. Do you know? But like, because we are a great community, and you don't want the local dynamic and the community spirit broken up. No, not at all. Jeez, no way. Yeah, okay. Okay. So, so the next move now is that you you literally go and meet the council team that's been put together by the director of services, and you talk it through as to where you will go, how long you'll be out, how long it will be before you get back in, all of those kind of things. So, exciting times ahead. Oh yeah, definitely. Finally, if I have somewhere that's suitable for me and my my little girl, my other two kids. Hang on a second, there. I also have Sarah. Sarah, good morning. Morning. Happy. Delighted. Yeah. Yeah. If there, somebody turned their radio down, lads, in the background, if you don't mind. I don't think they could have got... Are you, you're, you're happy enough with the decision to knock everything, you um, and your daughter? It's, I think it's Amelia, isn't it? I think you have yeah, a few daughters, it. isn't it? Have you, like, have you got two or three daughters, I think? I have two daughters and um, a little boy. Where do you think you'll be going temporarily? Any idea? Um, no, so, like, you kind of have to bid. So if you see something you're interested in, you bid on it, and then they work from there. Yeah, but um, it would have to be a bit more effective than bidding because you could be bidding and bidding and bidding normally and be unsuccessful. Um, yeah, but that's what they're doing at the moment anyway, so hopefully they'll speed something up about it. I don't know. Yeah, I think maybe that they would be actively involved in the relocation of the residents, um, not just in the bidding system, but that they will do something proactive to find you a place. So that would be my reading of it, yeah? Yeah, I think that would be fair as well to everybody, like... Yeah. And do you have any idea or do you, do you think at all how long this might actually take? Um, no, I don't, but hopefully it won't be too long because people are living in conditions they shouldn't be living in, you know. What about you, William? Do you think we're talking about certainly a year or longer, perhaps? Well, I couldn't put a time frame on it, Neil. All I'm saying is that the campaign is still um, ongoing because I, I'm in the WhatsApp group with the residents. Um, they have their own empowerment now. Um, I'm seeing a lot of... Um, I'm meeting people as well at the doors, Neil. The, the, the rat infestation there, Neil, um, and obviously the, way the winter is, um, they're coming in. They're coming in the walls. They're coming in through the defective roofs. So, like, it, it's it's what people are living with, Neil. I know it. Um, yeah, I know so, it. Like, what, what I'm trying to say is that it's an ongoing psychosocial health issue for all the residents that we're all concerned about. So I think that um, with the executive's uh, commitments and the councillors working on the ground with this um, and building the relationships again with the residents, that it's you know it's in their hands. And I just hope that nobody gets hurt in the short term. Um, that's mm-hmm. what we're trying to do is prevent anybody. Um, there has been uh, some people 
um, in the last number of years, you know, that are just finding rats under their beds, at their children's beds and stuff. Neil, that's still, on, that's still ongoing. Oh, uh, listen, one of the photographs you know. is a big, big giant rat running across somebody's beautiful laminated floor, for God's sake. In fact, another two different laminated floors. No, you are, you are right. Bear in mind, without putting up a damper on this, this is subject to central government funding. And I'm assuming that that money will be forthcoming. Uh, but, um, you know, they're, they're working on a design now. Hopefully the funding will come through. But it, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it will be this, this side of 2024. It, it, it may be next year, you know? Yeah, well, the Cork City Council are governed under the Health and Safety Act. They always have been. So, like, these properties have no fire exits. The report says they're going to be demolished. So there's actually people living in their homes knowing this, that the landlord has provided this over the last number of years. So they need to take action. And the councillors are on it for years. I know the executive are, and obviously with the media support, um, we just want to make sure that people are treated with dignity and respect going forward. Okay, okay. Well, let's see what happens. What happens next? People will be moved out on a phase basis. Delighted with that news, Sarah and Janice, for Thanks you. Um, listen, I, I, I don't know what else we can say at this point in time except uh, watch this process unfold in the coming weeks, I suppose. But best of luck and do stay in touch, all right? Thanks. And thanks so much Bye. for everything. Thanks. You're more than welcome. Take care, Sarah and Janice. Bye. Thank Bye. you both. It's people power. Just finally, William, do you think other communities in Cork, because I've spoken with others both sides of the river, unfortunately, many housing estates that are owned by city council, say on the north side, are in fairly rag order as well. Should they, should they take strength from this and confidence that maybe they should also be pushing, pushing for something similar? Uh, yes, indeed, Neil. Um, as you might be aware, the, the residents in Glen Trasna and uh, the Glen, um, they've got uh, together recently. Um, what happened, Neil, there's properties that would have been developed in the 60s, as we know, with Noonan's Road and the local areas. Um, they were not used with the right materials. And then in the in the noughties, we say, in Glen Trasna, um, developers came in. The tenders were were, were there, and these builders um, started the jobs, developing sites, and went bust. And then other builders came in and done a remodel. And they were never right. Mm. It's the same in, in Ballinock mm. and in other areas. And the thing is, um, we know that um, Sinn Féin today um, have ended the neglect in the north side. And they've been very um, supportive of the residents since uh, all these campaigns have come together. And that's what it's about. It's about uh, political action. Uh, draw down the money. Yeah but, those in, yeah, but those involved at council level weren't only Sinn Féin councillors. They were right across, across party. Oh, of course, but the thing is today, Neil, that um, it's a process, but the process has been created by a lack of investment yeah. in years. Okay. So the people that have been in power, and we know who they were and who they still are, <clears throat> we need a change in society. Um, and that's about investing in our communities, because when we started off our campaign, the parents that I met had, had children with them um, who, who were worried um, and with children and buggies. So we're trying to tra- create a community, change the ecology of our community. And what that is, is investment. The money is there, but it's always drawn down at the last minute. All right. That's, that's okay. a failure. Okay, appreciate you taking good the call talk. this morning. You too, good to talk. Actually, you know, William is right. I also spoken with audio of a child uh, from Noonan's Road who was too embarrassed to even bring friends round for a a play date or a, a stay over or something like that because of the conditions they were living in. So we'll have to see what happens. This is subject to central government funding, but they will be meeting with the residents and uh, the community activists. They will be putting together a design process. Um, they will work with all of the 
residents with regards to relocating the residents on a phased basis um, and then all of the work will begin. You don't necessarily have to go back in after the redevelopment. You can stay where you're being moved to if you wish. Um, but you, I, mean, I think an awful lot of people would actually wish to go back into the community because it's a wonderful, tight-knit community. And that's as much as we know at this stage. Uh, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Cork's Red FM. We live in desperate times, lads, particularly when it comes to accommodation. Moving from uh, the Noonan's Road story onto people who are desperate to find somewhere to live or rent that's affordable to them. On WhatsApp, I have Tom. Tom, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Neil. Uh, listeners of Red FM. Thank you. I'm glad that you are, and I do appreciate it. Now, can you explain to me, and thank you for the ad that you sent on to me, together with the photographs of the property. Now, let's just talk about the property first. Is it, It's my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, that it is like a, a, a just one room split into two, like a kitchen, and then the four bunk beds in another area of it. Am I right? That is correct. And it's been advertised as a for apartment, as a shared house, not a shared room. It's a shared, it's, a, it's adver, adver, advertised as shared house, sharing with three other people. There is two bunk beds and there is like a dining area that would maybe fit three people there or maybe the four on a tight, tight squeeze. Um, yeah, it, when you say two bunk beds, you are right, but that would equate to four beds. So what's the rent per, per bed? So it comes out at 600 euro per month with some bills included. And uh, for me, it's, um, it's, it's a tragic. It's a tragic sight to see. As um, I'm in Ireland since 2008. I came just after the Kirti Tiger. And I can remember how the situation looked back then, where a full three-bedroom house would go for about 700 euro. Where now a shared room with a three, a three other people cost 600 euro, which, so, is, uh, which okay. is outrageous. So, so I'll come back to um, the, the, the rental difficulties, even for a three-bedroom house and compare it to now. You, you said 700 maybe around about 2007 and eight, but that would be certainly, depending on where you're renting, but it would be 1,600, 1,800, maybe 2,000 now, wouldn't it? Maybe even more? That's it, even more, yeah. About okay. two and a half thousand for a three for a nice three bedroom house with with a good BER, and uh, because BER is a very uncommon sight to see now. Um, that's you your know, rating, houses. your energy rating. So it could be that's it, it. Could be two to two and a half grand now. Actually, I might just I might just do a little bit of a dive there into some rental prices around Cork. Mm-hmm. But this one is a shared. It's not a shared house. Then it is. Um, a large bed sit or a bachelor flat where everything is in the one square foot area and then it's broken into the the kitchen and I see one side of it, the kitchen table and a bench and next to it is the washing machine. Uh, imagine there must be a cooker in there somewhere. The second photograph is tucked away in the corner of it, the two bunk beds with two bunks in each of them with a rent roll of €2,400 a month. That's it. So that's that's an outrageous amount to be paying for like um, for accommodation. I understand the landlord's uh, positions; they have to pay taxes and stuff on those properties. But um, like it is a bit outrageous. Six hundred euro for a bunk bed. This is very 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 bad. Um, on top of the fact that you were living uh, cheek to jowl with three other people sleeping next to each other in these four bunk beds and sharing a small kitchen. I mean, there's nothing illegal about this, however. 
but it does sound very, very greedy. That's it. It's one of those weird ads that you would see on Daft in, in like Dublin when there is like just one bed in the in the middle of a kitchen and they rent it for seven, eight hundred euro. So it's starting to be spreading around the country, as we can see. It's coming to Cork now, and there's more and more of those ads being posted on the groups. I'm I'm a participant of those groups since I was looking for accommodation myself. And uh, from what I can see, it's just going worse and worse over time. Are you saying to me that you have seen other ads for house or flat shares with bunk beds being popular now? Well, I haven't seen with the bunk beds. Now, this is the 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 this is the climax of the situation with the bunk beds. But there there was like there is like single room uh, beds, single bedrooms for seven hundred. I see double bedrooms for thousand euro. There is uh, people looking for couples for double bed uh, rooms for 1,200. So, like, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. That a crazy couple would pay 1,200 euro a month for a double bed. That's it, yeah. And, and, and two it. other individuals who don't know each other perhaps might share um, a bedroom with two single beds, is it? Is, is it something like that? That's it, yeah. So that, that, that would be it. Like, like for say for my example, I'm I'm living here in uh, in Cork. I live here for three years. I'm renting a room because it's unaffordable to rent a house, and uh, I share with three other people. We ha- we all have our own rooms, and uh, the the price I am paying now, which I can disclose, is around 350 euro. That's what it was three years ago. Now I see for the same room, the same kind of type of a room. It's at least 700 euro. You must feel very lucky then if you're paying 350 am, for your bedroom. I was very, very, very relaxed when I found this room because I, I, it was already going a bit out of hand, but I found this room, which was fairly cheap. And now like when somebody asks me how much I'm paying for a room and I'm telling them they can't believe me. Uh, because like this price is not, not nowhere to be seen anymore. And you know what this one on Shandon Street, it says Shandon Street, five minutes from the city centre, a lot of buses around, you pay on the 28th of the month, it's €600 Euro with bills included for, you know, take your pick of which bunk bed you want to sleep on. Would you think that people will actually pay this? Yes, they will. Be. There is. We can see how many people is on the street at the moment and people have to live... I, for example, if my room was gone now, I'd probably end up homeless as well or in some uh, some emergency accommodation because um, I'm earning not more, not much more over the minimum wage. So for me, this is very, very, very serious problem. It does seem to me, without knowing the entire story, that people are being taken advantage of when you see ads like that, that unfortunately Correct. perhaps okay. landlords know that in desperate times... They can just utilise the square footage as best they can. Bunk beds are a good way to go to maximise the rent roll. That's it. But if, if it was a bit more affordable, like if it was more reasonable, like you're sleeping with three different people, let's say you can't bring friends over, you can't do anything, you're really stuck with three people for the whole day. Let's say I'm working from home, so if I have to work from home over there, there is no chance. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a bit complicated situation. Like, Okay, listen, thank you so much for sharing that. I hope others share similar stories because people need to know how bad and how desperate the situation certainly is. Thank you, Tom. Have a good weekend for yourself, my friend. You uh, too, and thank you, everybody. You're welcome. Daft.ie report are reporting this morning a three-bed townhouse on the South Douglas Road. Uh, 1580 per month. God knows I'm even saying that and thinking, God, that's cheap. And of course it's not. A two-bed apartment on Trafalgar Hill, €1,795. A four-bed apartment in Glanmire, mother of God, €3,036 a month. 
clearly these four bedroom apartment apartments would be for people who are sharing and divvying and dividing up the rent. Three bedroom terrace house in Carragrahan. Um, 2,100 euro a month. Uh, we certainly have well and truly passed the 2,000 mark. And out in Douglas, a three bedroom terrace house in Douglas, again, backing up what Tom said, a three bedroom terrace house in Douglas for rent right now, 2,600 euro. And then a four bed semi in Frankfield, 2,700 euro. And all of these rent prices are per month. That's the life and times we're living at. Do get involved in the conversation. Text 0868 Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. Anyway, the ad actually says long-term accommodation, single bed, shared room. Um, it's a lot more than just a shared room, and it is not technically a single bed. It's either the up or the down of a bunk bed. A lot of text on this. Absolutely shocking. People are taking advantage of the needy more than ever. Welcome to the Fianna Fáil Fianna Gael Governed Ireland. Did you expect anything else from the landlord party? Landlord is so greedy. They are paying his mortgage. Yeah, and then some, I would think. I would humbly suggest more than paying the mortgage. I rented for 20 years. All tenants pay the landlord's mortgages. There's nothing greedy about that. Um, well, if you don't think it, uh, you don't, if you don't think it's greedy, uh, uh, then I think you might be in the minority there because it does seem like, um, you know, that small area, a rent roll of 2400 a month. Come on. A situa- you know, you're getting three-bedroom houses for that kind of money. A situation created by governments across the world, and it's only going to get worse as more flood into the country while little to no new housing is being provided. Imagine what the hospital wards are going to be like this winter. Uh, morning. I went looking for accommodation for my daughter last year in Cork City. I found one at €500 Euro a month and thought, that sounds okay. So I went to the lovely house. But I was shown to a room with two sets of bunk beds in it. It was €500 Euro for each bunk bed. The house had two rooms like this, a small kitchen and a lounge for all to share. But not only that, the landlady also slept on the couch in the lounge at night. I could not believe it. Well, there you go. Just when you think you've heard it all, along comes a text like that. These greedy landlords should be reported. It's appalling. They should be named and shamed. One or two more. More evidence that our country is full of greedy landlords who can charge this kind of rent. Um, and to think they made bedsits illegal. The Greens should never have been voted in, ever. It was that delusional party that implemented this ridiculous policy. Oh, by the way, we need to close our borders. Uh, That's an absolute disgrace. There are some very good landlords out there, but people like this give landlords a bad name. Uh, Interesting how this borderline slavery uh, is completely legal for the last 20 years and remains unchanged. Meanwhile, people go to jail for not paying their television license. Uh, Housing is a disaster. People will continually get exploited while there is a shortage. Uh, Rent controls are non-existent. So thank you for all of those texts to 0868104106. Free food Friday, lads, courtesy of ourselves in Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. Let me do a few shout-outs this side at 10 o'clock for everybody at GRP Roofing Supplies on the Tremor Road, Um, everybody listening at MT Fitness Gym and Recharge Coffee Dock, same venue. Uh, They're taking part in a 5,000-kilometre bike, row and ski challenge in aid of the Peter McFerry Trust. And they're planning to do 12-hour static cycles 
Um, one of them, Mark Tynan, is going to do it on an assault bike. Starts at half six this evening. Good luck, guys. Taylor Callan in Mint Hair and Beauty in Ballancolic. Everybody at Union Hall smoked fish. The Hair Factory in Douglas. Morning, Donna. Everybody at Petrochem in Little Island are avid listeners and would love a bit of feeding. To Countrywide Drains in Dripsy, cleaning the drains and septic tanks. They're starving every day, but particularly hungry on Fridays. To all of the staff at St. Clair's Ward in St. Finbar's Hospital. To Pat Dalton's Pharmacy on the North Main Street to Dosco Business Park in Douglas particularly to Sage who are listening all of the time uh, just one or two more SOS Recovery they've been swept off their feet keeping the Cork roads clear broken down cars and what have you St Christopher's Ward in Marymount were lucky enough to avail of their services as a family two weeks ago for a very special 91 year old aunt who passed away there and the staff were absolutely incredible morning to you Joanne nice to say kind things uh, to Doc Decor Interior Painting and Decorating in Holly Hill the complete upholstery foam services on Barrick Street innovative total solutions in Middleton are listening a new me medical clinic in Penrose House I was in there recently and their state of the art equipment would blow your mind uh, everybody at uh, Architectural and Metal Systems in Little Island, particularly the Dye Shop, they'd love a munch. Morning, Selena, Colin, DJ and Simon. Ready Mix Trucks in Grenada and the Animal Care Hospital in Douglas. Good morning to Amy, looking after all of the cute animals. So keep those texts coming. Text who you are and where you are to 086 I'll tell you more about the Roosters Piri Piri food that will be delivered a little later on this morning. Now... Show, Red FM. With a quick shout out to everybody at the, the Mahan Community Association. I know you don't do requests, but we want to wish Paddy, our local community responder, a happy birthday today. He has helped save many a person's lives and, is, and has awards for saving children. You know Paddy. Uh, he might have been on your show before and you always read his messages as we hear his name on the air. So we want to thank him and wish Paddy McCarthy a very happy birthday today. He is our hero in our local community. So happy birthday, Paddy. Keep doing what you're doing, pal. Everybody at the Mahan Community Association appreciates your efforts. Lots of texts on different topics. I know we've gone off on a different tangent now, but it happens that way when you start talking about a topic and we've been uh, sharing insane rent prices on Leaside, particularly now, something that's becoming a lot more popular, and that is bunk beds. But back to the phone lines we go. Stephen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. You, you wanted and to pick up on this? Go ahead. I did. I condolences on your recent that. Oh, thank you. Um, You're very kind. Thank you. No thank problem. You. Um, so, I've been kind of, you know, a, a council tenant since going right back to the 1970s when I was a child, you know? Yeah. And it's all occurred to me that uh, tenants of the council are treated like second class citizens, isn't it? Like, it's not just recent stuff, but this has gone on for years. Like, you know? you, there's a. Going back to the 70s, we were we actually went on rent strike when my parents did um, because of the, the condition of the houses we were living in. They were the old NBA houses. Where? In Toko. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, like, we moved in in 1969, and, and by 1972, like, it was just somewhere of it. Like, the, uh, the uh, panels on the walls were made of asbestos, and the panels used to fall out, the windows used to fall out. You know, I mean, within three rat- years of the build, yes. And the first thing we noticed, having moved out from the city, is that there was rats in the back garden. My mother was petrified; she wanted to nail the back door shut. You know. God Almighty! And you like, so this is an ongoing thing. They've always been the worst landlords. Um, and at this very moment now, um, I live in a council flat. I'm lucky to have it. I must say that. Um, but there are a couple of 
what I would call minute issues that need to be addressed there, like, you know, and I've been three years trying to get get them addressed. One is uh, rainwater shoots are completely, there's a garden growing across them. And it's three stories up, so you know I can't, I can't clean them up. I know, and and I'm quite sure there are a lot, a lot of that. But I'm just curious as to why council, you say, treat um, their tenants as second-class citizens. What, what's, what, what do you think I, is the, what do you think belief, is playing in? What, what's the mindset that they're lucky to have cheap rent or yeah, what? Yeah, I, I think that's it. Uh, that's what's behind it. You know, you're, you're lucky to be in there. You know, just shut up and get on with it. Like I think that's their attitude. You know. Um, I mean, there's a procedure now where, where you email in your uh, your report or your complaint or whatever, and they never get back to it. Yeah, you know? never get back. But tell me this, you, when you, were your parents alone out in Toker going on rent strike or no, did many? No, no, the whole, uh, the whole estate got involved and we actually supported it by, we, we used to bring food and, and coal around the houses in the van, my father was a plumber, and uh, we used to use that on the weekend to deliver... Uh, uh, free vegetables and, and stuff like that, you know, to support families. And where did you get the money to buy the coal and the vegetables and things? Well, we were supported then again by distributors. Wow. You know, we, we had that support as well, like, you know, so it was a case of, uh, it was kind of a lock-in. We had enough. I mean, there was a house across the, the, the park from us and the whole upper panel of the house. One day we were all playing football out in the, the green and the whole upper panel of the house fell down onto the, the shed in front of the house and smashed. And you could see the, the wardrobe, the bed, the bedside locker. You could see the whole bathroom. They were know? shocking builds, weren't they? Were they well, built on the cheap or together. what? Like, obviously, clearly they were built on the cheap. It was another answer to the... I mean, this is how long it's gone on. It's another answer to the... The, um, the housing crisis that was there at that time, you know. Yeah, but you know the those building. units, the toker units, and, and they were like like large boxes, weren't they? Um, exactly. But they, but exactly. they were the were same design was replicated in Mayfield and uh, different areas of, oh, of, of the, the north side, yeah. and the Glen and areas like that. They were the same kind of build. They were indeed. And growing and up in them, then was it was it cold? Temporary. It was cold in there, you you couldn't heat them. I mean, they were. Less than an inch thick, these wall panels out to the outside, you know. Yeah. Everybody was you close. But um, what I was going to say to you there is that... Uh, did the rent strike make any it, difference? I think it did, because at the time, uh, the, the houses were guaranteed to last for 15 years. You know, that, that was the, you know, just to get over this housing crisis, you know. And were put together to last 15 years. They lasted about three or four, and they started to give us serious problems. The rent strike did bring... Uh, it, it it didn't do anything major. Like they weren't really bricked up for years and years after. Like I think um I think it was if I'm not wrong no, I think it was nineteen ninety by the time which was, so that was twenty years by the time they started breaking them up, you know. Are they, so, they're all are they all gone now? Oh they're all gone now, yeah. And yeah. they're all rebuilt and it's a nice estate out there now actually. There's yeah. some very nice um, neighbourly uh estate now. But back then it was like the Wild West, you know what I mean? And that's another uh, point about the maker as well, like that. If tenants of, you know, if, if you're going to treat tenants as a second-class citizen, they're going to grow up that way. Like, children are going to have nothing to do. They're going to get into crime. They're going to get into drugs. You know, I mean, why not nurture uh, people in that situation so that they turn up, turn out uh, a bit better in life, you know, instead of... Instead of um, Give them a chance, yeah. Yeah, rebelling against society and, and authority and all of that. Yeah, like, you know, yeah, I think yeah. that's what I start to... I mean, the square where I grew up is the same square where Dennis Irwin lived, you know? Yeah. So there were, there were those gems that came out of, of those estates, like, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. You know, there was many more as well, like, you know, but uh, what I'm just saying, like, if, if they had people by, by being reasonable about it, I mean, rats in your backyard, rats coming into your back door, I mean, you wouldn't hear, you you know, you wouldn't hear about that in the third world country, like, you know, there's a, uh, and the other, the other side of that then as well is that, why can't the tenants uh, go down the legal route? The tenants that are having their houses demolished now for, and replaced and all of that. They've been in those, they've been living in those conditions for years and paying rent. You know, I mean, the contract on the landlord side is as important as the contract. Oh, totally, um, absolutely. They would be classified as slum landlords. They would, yeah. yeah, yeah. I believe that, you know, a a proper group got together and got a barrister on the case. I'm sure that they get some rent back, you know. But that's, you know, I'm not an expert. All right, okay. You know, exactly. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks so much, my man. Thanks for listening. Stay in touch. Here's an interesting email, if you don't mind. We just stay on housing in general. Hi, Neil. If someone is homeless, like the man in the slaughterhouse that you helped, uh, and you've helped others over the years, why can't you do the same for the next generation of young home buyers? Start with the Cork generation. Save the generation before their lives are destroyed. It's not unlike what Stephen's just been saying there. Auctioneers aren't always telling the truth with regards to offers. Isn't it amazing how a lot of these offers uh, never transfer to the property register? Um, auctioneers uh, fish for a fool and they try to reel them in. He's suggesting there that auctioneers are making up offers to increase the price of property bids. The buyers are too stupid to see through all of this, giving them tens of thousands of euro more on an already overpriced house. Forget that we are at the top of the market and a crash will happen in 12 months. Forget that inflation has driven prices mad. You should be telling people to pull the plug and don't buy for a year until prices drop. And they could drop by 50%. Prices will drop the minute people stop buying. Tell them that buying a €400,000 house with a 10% deposit is crazy. But here is more craziness for you if they do. They'll have a mortgage of three hundred and sixty grand. they will have a deposit of forty grand. It'll be a 30-year mortgage. They'll pay 5%. So the cost of credit to them over the 30 years on top of the buy is 326000 So buying this overpriced 400000 house in reality over 30 years is costing them 726000 If some real someone really has to buy, they should ignore the prices advertised. The buyer should put its own value on it, reduce the list price by up to 30 to 50%, Make one offer and walk away. It's that simple. Do you have any idea the amount of new mortgage holders in the last five years that are already in serious trouble and all of this has been covered up? Add to the insult to injury, the central bank went away and increased the loan factor to four times salary, which has only driven prices up even more, even though the ECB increased rates to curb and bring inflation and prices down. Our geniuses have done the opposite at the central bank. This whole thing will burst shortly. And I feel sorry for the fools that have bought in the last three to five years. There are families still stuck in their overpriced, overpaid homes from 2006 with massive mortgages and they can't move. I hope you get to read this out. And that's an email from Dan, who's calling it as he sees it. Just on that, another, because I did read recently of the nationwide picture of the price of a, a three-bedroom semi in cities and suburbs. And it shows that Cork now, the average three-bedroom semi now is coming in at 380 grand. Um, and um, you know, if you break it down then between the, the city and the county, it's about, um, the average price is about in and around 337,000 in the city 
and about 291,000 in the county apparently so clearly there are some cheaper but there's an awful lot dearer than that uh, I'll drill into those um, changes again um, uh, as I go through the conversation with Jeremy Murphy from Jeremy Murphy and Associates who joins me by phone Jeremy good morning Good morning Ian thanks uh, for having me on the show any, any response to Dan's email there where he's saying that this is going to burst and people need to park buying a house now because prices are going to drop drastically um, look, first thing I would say is um, we live in a democracy and everyone is entitled to their opinion. And um, Dan could be right or Dan could be wrong. Uh, we can't predict the future. But what I can say to you is what we are seeing on the ground is activity levels are still quite strong. Um, confidence levels are still quite strong. Employment levels nationally and in Cork City uh, are very strong. And we still have that, uh, as Irish people, feeling in our bones that we just want to own our own homes. And uh, I've been tuning in and out of your show for the morning because I, I was facilitating appointments as well, Neil. Thank you for but taking the call. Not, not a problem, but I've, I've been tuning into some of the issues and some of the situations and listening to the rent prices. Um, and uh, the reality is, with the rental situation and with price levels being so strong um, as long as it's cheaper to own your own home I think that's the way people will go. Um, it certainly is cheaper now to own your own home and service a mortgage than be a renter if you can get the money and deposits together, I get that but it's about the value that the people are getting and the ever increasing prices that they're paying and the ball and chain around their neck and the 7 or 8 interest rate hikes in the last 12 months um, Yeah like it, Would you believe that there's there's been ten interest rate hikes? Sorry, I thought eight, ten. Good God! No, you're fine. Well, sorry, no, I'm open to correction, but that's that's what I think it is. And and if you look at the property market since COVID, you know we a, a huge part of the even the economists said that the market wouldn't be able to sustain COVID, and it has. We've had massive in, in, um, interest rate hikes, as I spoke to you about. We've had the energy crisis, and. People are still buying houses. So look, as I said at the start, we live in a democracy and people and buyers put their own value on property. So who puts the price, the value on a price, Jeremy? Is it the seller or is it recommendations from your good self and the likes of people it's in your... Com- in- it's, I would say it's a combination, but there are tools available to us now that weren't available, say, back in the Celtic Tiger. Like, the property price register is a register of every residential sale that has closed. So that tool is available to both the buyer and the seller. So if a property goes up for sale in, I'm just going to pick an estate now on the south side, say Mount Oval Village up in Rochestone, the recent comparables in that estate and in a particular row in an estate are available nationally. So that should be a big help to both a buyer and a seller. But obviously then they're a valuer and estate agent has a role to play in advising them accordingly. I- because... I, I know I know that, but when we, we like, is is it not the case? I'm not saying that you do this, but that an auctioneer knows that there's going to be huge interest. We know that stock is just has absolutely collapsed from you know maybe a, a fairly decent high, let's say ten years ago. There's much less now available. Certainly, new bills. Stock stock from kind of the first of September last year to the first of September this year uh, available to buy. 
on that report this morning is down 20%. Well, if you look at 2012, there was nearly 20,000 properties available in Munster. When you look at 2023, it has dropped to under 5,000 available across Munster. So it has collapsed in a decade. But is it not a case that the auctioneer knows and the seller knows that there will be such demand that you can put a high price offer or ask on a property knowing that it's going to exceed that because you'll end up with a couple of people in a bidding war? Well, ultimately, the value of the property is is actually set by the people coming in to view it and it's set by the marketplace. But generally, I can tell you in our office, our advice to sellers is to be realistic with your expectations. Um, we are meeting less buyers now, Neil. I also need to say that to you. We are meeting less buyers, but the buyers we're meeting are focused, they're organised, they want to get on with their lives, they don't want to put their lives in hold, maybe they've been renting for 10-15 years, they've saved up a lot of money, maybe they've gotten help from mum and dad, but people are anxious to get on with their lives as well. But if you're saying you're seeing less priors, prospective buyers, has it cooled off somewhat then? Cooling, you see, it's, it's hard to judge that because there's such a lack of stock. Because we have a lack of stock, prices are holding, and if you look at the that's in that report this morning like I think prices in Cork were just were 1.7% higher than we were last year yeah the, so they say the average Cork city price is 337 grand but you and I know that people will pay substantially more than that for a three bedroom like in fairness you know it, I mean a new build three, a new bed a new build three bedroom will be in and around 385 well, it, it, it could be that, but if it's a new build and if they're first-time buyers, they're entitled to avail of the help to buy scheme, which they can avail of up to a maximum of 30000 So why then can't a young couple buy a second-hand house and get the same help to buy? And it's awfully well, unfair. That's a, good point. that's a good point. And what that's doing to the second-hand market is, like, I 100% agree with what you're saying there because that incentive is focused on new housing but yet you come into Cork City you come into the the core areas um, um, you run from Bishopstone Wilton Glasheen Turner's Cross Ballinlock Ballin Temple Ballin all those houses that were built in the 1960s and 1970s with great school networks uh, less traffic issues uh, they are all older houses and they are really 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 popular and for first time buyers to come in there and not to get some incentive I, I really think I, the government are trying and they have they have but he, um, incentives in place but not enough for the second hand market but here's what I'm also hearing then when there is a help to buy scheme of 30 grand the seller or the builder or the auctioneer or all those involved in the sale know that there's 30 grand going to beg in here from the government and the prices go up because of that. Because they know well, that you got help from mammy and daddy. They know that you have the deposit. They know you have the 30 grand and it's inflating the cost of the home. That may be happening in areas. I, I, I can't comment because every single estate and every single new home that's sold is different. The benefit, of course, for the buyer looking at, at a new property maybe as opposed to a second-hand property is if they're buying a new property, they're buying an A-rated home, they've very little to, in terms of investment to put into it, it'll be warm and cosy. Um, there are grants available, Neil, for buyers uh, if a property is vacant for more than two years. Uh, there's, I think, a €50,000 grant and if a property is derelict... That's right, I saw that. Seven, yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven, you got a fifty grand. grand. Yeah, yeah. So the government are trying to do certain things to help the market but I think you've you've stumbled on something there now with second hand homes first time buyers it is my honest opinion like they're the key to the market 
Because the first-time buyer will release the person that's trading up. Okay. So the first-time buyer is the key, and I think we have to be fair on first-time buyers. Okay. They're saving hard. They're doing their best. I, I agree with nearly everything you're saying, to be honest. Okay, you won't, you won't agree with this, though, the point that Dan made in the email where he says auctioneers are making up offers. Uh, I'm not making that accusation against yourself, but would you like to comment on it? How does one know that there's another bidder driving it up slowly in increments of two or three grand? How do, you, how do we know? Okay, that's a, that's a fair point. I can tell you, just to echo what you said, 100% that is, would never happen in our office. And I think I have to say with some degree of comfort that I think in the main that is not happening. I would be absolutely shocked. I'm not aware of it. Um, in our office, every single offer that is made is emailed. So there's a full written um, correspondence and if you're bidding on a property and if there's a higher offer, we will email you back. So we try to keep it. Obviously, we communicate with people on the phone. But, you you know, we are we are putting uh, this information in writing. You know, we're very clear and upfront about it. Now, just to say there is a property regulator in place. That property regular, regulator has rules and guidelines that estate agents uh, have to abide by. If a buyer feels uncomfortable about a certain situation, I think that's their avenue uh, to talk to the property regulator and report any situation that they're uncomfortable with. Uh, It shouldn't be happening. Uh, Any reputable company involved in the property market and in selling homes, honestly, I think that have nothing to do with those type of practices. Okay, he makes some excellent points, though, and you almost alluded to one of them. Who says things have you're, you're seeing less people wanting to, uh, to 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 bid on a new property because he he is thinking that like like all cycles that this one will end that there will be a crash. He thinks it will happen in the next twelve months that prices will drop dramatically. He's suggesting upwards of fifty percent. That's probably being overly optimistic. I, I appreciate that, but that people should just sit on their hands for a little while that it will cool off, that all of the increases in the cost of living will deem that it will have to cool off. Um, that's it's, not... It's, a, that's like, it's like, do you know what, Neil? It's like what we heard uh, when when the COVID situation hit. We, we heard that the world economy was going to nosedive, the property market was going to nosedive. It didn't. I, I can't tell you what's going to happen next year and the year after. I can only chat to you about what we're seeing on the ground at okay. the moment. Okay. And look, you have to look at the reality. The employment situation in the country is excellent. People have to live somewhere. But they also, you're right, have to be comfortable about their decisions and about how much they're willing to borrow and how much they can get, uh, pay back. So I would absolutely encourage that people be sensible and that they keep their head on their shoulders and they not get carried away. Hard, though, to do um, that when it's a seller's market, though. Um, it, it is, but you have to be sensible and you have to be comfortable. And, look, if you were going out to buy a new car and you were taking out a loan, you'd make sure that you could make the repayments. You know, at the end of the day, you want. I think people want to live their lives. I think people have learned from what happened in the Celtic Tiger. If you remember, Neil, there were 100% mortgages. People were borrowing for furniture. They were borrowing for everything. That is gone. None of those situations exist anymore. So I do think that purchasers are more protected. But I, we we would always encourage a, a sensible and um, measured approach so that hopefully okay. the, the buyers are happy at the end. Because ultimately, at, 
A sale can happen unless a seller is happy, unless a buyer is happy. Okay, just Both one, just one, just one final thing for you because you, we talk about those that are actually buying the properties, right? Um, how many of those that are buying these properties, the three-bedroom semis as a typical example, are buying them to rent them? Um, are any of them companies who go around hoovering up properties? Are much of them, can you answer to whether or not city and city council and county council are also buying properties from under the noses of a couple or a young family? Okay. There's a couple of different questions there. There are, we, yeah. We try, so, yeah. Yeah, we try and deal with them. So in relation to the investor, right, um, we're not seeing a lot of investors at the moment. No. The particular type of investor we are seeing is, say, if someone has their kids going to college in Cork City, if um, they're paying out five, ten, fifteen thousand euros a year on accommodation costs, they're a very different type of investor. They will come in and they'll buy once, and we mightn't see them again until they're selling in ten years' time. Okay, but they are active at the moment because the cost of rental accommodation has gone so high. So we are meeting that type of investor. Interesting, right. Yeah. We also um, would meet, say, um, self-employed people who are buying through their pension, maybe who are doing quite well. Um, So that type of investor is active. But in the main, um, the investment um, section isn't as busy as it would have been previously, all but there still is activity. Okay. Okay. And the councils? Councils are purchasing but there's an awful lot of new bills happening around the city and the county there's an awful lot of affordable schemes and I think the councils uh, are zoning more in on that area but they are still buying and they might be purchasing for uh, maybe a family or a client with a very specific need Um, maybe wheelchair accessible older person so but they are active um, but is that fair, though, that you would have a council buying when they really should be building their own because they're taking away the possibility of a young family buying the same property? I mean, I have heard of councils, my examples would be county councils, buying entire housing estates, um, sometimes off the plans. Yeah, well, I, I, I think that's what they are trying to do. Is that um, fair, though, do you think? Well, you see, they're, 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 providing, they're providing a service to, to a client that needs that house. So the question can go both ways, uh, Neil, like, you know, like the person that needs the house that they're buying it for, they're not buying it for themselves. I, under, I appreciate for, that, but yeah. I'm trying to look at this through the prism of, of young families or couples starting out who have to get into, don't even get a chance to get into a bidding war because the councils have deep pockets and they've got plenty yeah. money and, they, and developers and builders like dealing with councils. They've only one engineer, they've only one solicitor, they get they get paid when they're asked when they ask for it, and it's clean and no mess. But it just seems I, that if I, city councils and county councils should build their own properties, I do feel you're making a valid point in that. Um, you know, there's a huge political hot potato around the housing issue, right? But there are certain people that won't qualify for housing through the local authorities, and um, they're the people. Are maybe are maybe they're slightly forgotten. So I I do feel you make a very valid point, and what you said earlier then in relation to, you know that second hand market, can we not help those people in some way 
You know, there is a help to buy scheme for new homes, but can we not help that seg- segment of the market, those first-time buyers who are working very hard, who are saving very hard? I do think you're making a very valid point, and I would certainly love, with the budget coming up, if the government would look um, at that area specifically. Okay, Jeremy, thanks for taking the call. Uh, dropped no everything to chat this morning. Appreciate it. Yeah. Jeremy Murphy and Associates on the South Mile. Your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868 Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 Red FM. I just took a quick look there. In fairness, uh, the lads just dug it up for me. We're looking at Cork City, the ratio of rental properties, uh, short-term lets. Um, we just look at the breakdown, say, between uh, Airbnb or indeed available ones traditionally on daft.ie. So when you look at them, um, you see that there are 1,418 Airbnbs available to let compared to 34 rental properties available uh, to let. Um, and that's uh, that's the county figure. Uh, the city figure is, isn't uh, much better. You're looking at... And it, like if you look at the, the city, there's only 40 properties available available to rent. Um, and uh, in the county, there's 34. So you can see the story. Uh, there's a lot more money to be made in Airbnb and there's an awful lot more money to also be made in, um, you know, taking a property and putting a couple of bunk beds into it. A lot of texts and different topics. Back to the Noonan's Road news from earlier this morning. They should put the tenants into modular homes in one site and not split them up. They shouldn't be shipped out to other areas. Modular homes is the solution. Uh, if the city council use their brain when they're rebuilding those apartments, they should make them at least eight stories high and they'll be able to put in an awful lot more people. That, that's a good idea. Use the opportunity to build even more. Well done to them all by making themselves homeless. Well, they haven't actually. Uh, you just can't stay where you are. So at some stage, this is not a com- cosmetic job. This is a much bigger thing than a cosmetic job. So I think the council are right with regards to, although they don't use the word demolition, that's what's involved here. I wouldn't be heaping praise on the council until everyone is in their new property, Neil, because I can see major issues coming down the road. And then unfortunately, um, somebody is critical of at least some of the type of residents. Uh, I'm sorry, but I'm extremely sceptical about Noonan's Road. I grew up near those flats and they were fabulous. But in the last 20 years, a different class of people People have moved in. I suppose time will tell. Personally, I'm not convinced. I will be interested to see how these people behave in their new temporary accommodation. I pass Noonan's Road every day and I see very few bins out for collection. How come, says Tony? Well, all I can say to that is that any of the people that we visited in their homes and we were welcomed into them, certainly um, Kevin and Seamus were there, and anybody that I've spoken to on the air as tenants living in Noonan's Road are lovely, lovely people and just want what's best for themselves and their family. Um, meanwhile, Neil, with regards to you read out the little piece on Centra, Hurley Centra, it is so sweet to hear. What a beautiful and lovely thing for Centra to do, looking after children who might be in a bit of bother, you know, missing a bus, caught in the rain, no power on their phone, go into the shop and wait for mammy and daddy. It's, you know, kindness is infectious. So thank you for that. You were talking about the movie The Sound of Music. I remember going to the movie as a family in Belfast around 1968. I was seven years old. We went into a restaurant in Belfast City Centre first. And when the staff heard us talking about the film we were going to see, they asked us to leave and refused to serve us. When we got to the picture house, Ian Paisley and a huge number of loyalists were protesting outside. There were nuns in the movie, so it was deemed to be Catholic propaganda, and Paisley wanted it banned. So we didn't get to the film or the restaurant and just went back home to Derry instead, says Desi. Isn't that one of the most extraordinary texts I've read out all week long? My God. 
back in the day, the late 1960s. Um, I would like to think that things have moved on since then. Thank you so much, Desi. It's a free food Friday, your opportunity to scoop food for up to 15 or 20 of you in the workplace, courtesy of ourselves and the most delicious roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So Red Patrollers will be delivering the grub piping hot to you this lunchtime. You will get starters, including chicken wings, chicken skewers and beef skewers. The main events include chicken wraps, chicken pitas and beef burgers. And all the meat is basted in the famous piri sauce. And you get piri salted fries, rice, waffle fries, piri mayo, garlic mayo, all of it. And you build your own dessert then for all 15 or 20 of you big cheesecakes and you put your own toppings on them and everything. It's a lot of fun and good food and you can check out Rooster's Piri Piri yourself at Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park, roosterspiripiri.com So text who you are and where you are. Alright, text or, text or WhatsApp 086-8104-106 and I'll do some more shoutouts hopefully in the next 10 minutes or so. So where are you working? Who are you working with? Let us know. Text 0868-104-106 Now back to the phone lines we go because of more updates for you. We're updating there with regards to Noonan's Road. This is a story actually that happened when I was away um, and there has been a reversal and an apology now from the Cork City Bar Chambers who've issued a public apology. Apparently what I'm being told about it, and the lads dealt with the story when I was away, that they rebranded Chambers for Freshers Week and they changed the name of it from um, Chambers uh, to Sinners because they wanted to take advantage, I suppose, of the big university students that would be out partying for Freshers Week and, and things like that. Now, Margaret, who's the owner of, of, of Chambers, has issued an apology. She she get it wrong. She's got it wrong. Um, she didn't, my words, she didn't read the room properly. Uh, and she wants to apologise to everybody involved, particularly within the, the gay community. She says, it was never my intention to alienate any, everybody. She says, I offended and upset many of our loyal and regular customers, and I am sorry. I should have handled it better. We're all aware of what happened, and I've learned from it. I'll take extra care in the future. I would like to additionally apologise to everybody. And they're running a big weekend, weekend-long promotion, I think, with uh, reduced prices on drink and, and stuff like that. So I'm key, a regular contributor to this programme is Stephanie Fogarty, who joins me by phone or by WhatsApp. She's uh, Miss Gay Ireland. Stephanie, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Good um, to be back. And thank you. And and to be honest, I'm kind of half on the back foot because I wasn't across this story at the time. So That's I need okay. so help me with it. What happened? Uh, so th- th- in a nutshell, okay, the particular colours were were removed from the venue that was Chambers. Um, certain uh, kind of posters were taken down of the drag artists that perform, and people going in were actually informed that it was a straight bear for the week. And so basically it was... So you say the rainbow time. flags and rainbow colours were taken down. The yeah, sign was repainted down. and changed to, to Sinners. Am I reading that right? There was a sign There was a sign put up over the Chamber sign calling it Sinners. And the thing is, Sinners originally was the LGBT night going in Chambers going back 15, 16 years ago. Yeah. Um, when Chambers was actually originally a straight venue. Um, so the fact that they took the name Sinners and then rebranded it to a quote-unquote straight night, if you will, which, to be honest, that night was kind of happening on and off anyway for years and there was never really any issue. It was only when the venue was stripped of its colour and stripped of its identity as a space that LGBT people can go to feel safe. Yeah, yeah. What was the reaction from the community then when you saw this? You you weren't consulted about it, Everyone was insulted. I was... No, were you consulted though? Oh, consulted? No. Okay, but (laughs) insulted, yes. Insulted, yes. Consulted, no. Um, and if there had been an actual consultation with the community, they would have been told straight away that, that it's going to blow up on them. 
even for no not playing the devil's advocate here although no play away was it only for the week or was this going to be long term change or, or what you see, the thing is, when even if it's only for a week, okay, when you're removing colours like that to make people feel comfortable, I think were the words used before, in the venue, then you're inviting in homophobia, you're inviting in discrimination because because then those people will continue to go to the same venue for the rest of the year, which then puts yes. your regular patrons at risk. Yeah. Although I you do know. know of straight people who, who who love to go to chambers and have great no nights. No issue in their, with straight yeah, people. Yeah, of course not. Thing, no issue yeah. with straight people going into chambers. We wouldn't be anything without our allies. But it's when it's inviting in the kind of people who are offended by the pride colours or who wouldn't feel comfortable in there with the pride colours okay. or, you know. OK, so I'm, I'm getting up to speed. Thank you for Stephanie. Well, did, no you, did you protest or what did you do? We did. We, we had a protest on the Thursday night of Freshers Week and there was, I think there was rough head count, over 2,000 people on the courthouse steps across 2, the road. 2,000? Uh, yeah, it was massive. Um, the Gardaí had to call in extras and they were fantastic. They were really on the ball with us. Um, and anyone who tried to incite anything with us, the Gardaí were on top of them very quickly. Why, did you get a bit of abuse or what? There was quite a few, yeah, uh, of quote-unquote the lads going into chambers on the night, or sinners, should I say, um, standing across the road, gesturing with their middle fingers and all that kind of stuff at us and trying to provoke arguments and disrupt the things that were going on. We were literally standing across the way with some music. We were chanting, we were singing, we were dancing. We kept it as peaceful and as lovely and as and as kind of high energy as we could. And we didn't want to engage in any negativity, to be quite honest. Yeah, it, 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 you must have felt like you had rocks in your stomach, though, seeing that others going in, giving you the two fingers oh, and you're out in the steps of the, of the courthouse. But that was the thing is being like, this is exactly the kind of clientele that are going to keep going in there going forward. And when all this stuff is removed, that makes it a visible queer safe space, you know. Uh, and that's the fear then that and I mean look even even before that there's still people you'll get names shouted at you I still get names shouted at me you know people getting attacked on their walk home or going to their cars and you know it is still there it's brain dead carry on really so we invited Margaret on from from Chambers this morning Mm -hmm. uh, but they they declined and and that's fair enough but I I do I have the apology to work with did you did you guys oh I've seen it and I okay was, wh- I'm wh- furious. Why? Why are you furious? It's just it's because hand on heart apology. No, it's not because you can't tell one if it was actually her posting it because it was an automated system that came up. Secondly, they put an Adele song over it, which was just like a slap in the face. Um, so Adele's song "Hello" was playing while that was being automated and generated up on screen. And why is that a slap in the face? Missed because it's hello from the other side. I've tried to call it a thousand times. They did not make any contact. They sent a representative to a community meeting that we had after the protest. Right. And there was a huge discussion. These minutes are going to be made public. So I'm not going to kind of say too much because, look, they're, they're documented minutes. But there was a discussion at the start and there was roughly, wait, it was advised that if they wait for the minutes to be released, it'll show them how to progress forward. It will show them how to even attempt to come back from this. And now everybody's furious because they've also disabled the comments on their, their promotional post. And when there was comments on it, it was flooded with people saying, are you actually having a laugh? In in what way? Like, it's a fairly... Because their it, way it, of... A, 
their way of apologising is, oh, we're sorry, please come back and give us your money. And we're putting on an event with, I don't have the, the details of the event. Which, it was it? supposed to be for the Friday, but then somehow it got extended for the full weekend, which is just funny because there's now two new events on this weekend that were advertised before all this that are LGBT inclusive. I mean, the Oysters hosting Instinct Night on the Saturday and the Pav is hosting out on the Sunday. Uh, so are you saying this apology has made things worse? Yeah, oh, so much worse because it, they missed the point completely. They genuinely missed the point completely. The apology of here's some cheap drinks, come on away in. That's not what people are looking for. What we are looking for is for people to be held accountable for their actions, for some, for Margaret herself to stand up and take responsibility and actually do a public apology because a, a story on Instagram that disappears after 24 hours is not public. It's not enough. And also when it's gen- I mean, if she were, if she were on the air now apologising with you on another line, would that do? But it's not direct to me. It's not me directly. Yes, I have my opinions and yes, I am a spokesperson in a way, but the effort needs to be made to train yourself, train your staff, train your security to be she, inclusive. She says, I should have handled it better. We're aware of what happened. <laughs> I've learned from it. Well, I'll take extra care we in the advi- future. At the community meeting, there was like, we were advised that one, it was bad advice. Two, she was out of the country. Three, it was someone else did it. So which one is it? You know, it's like, it's just around and around it's going. Well, whoever did it, she's acknowledging it was on her watch is what I'm saying to you, you know? Mm, it's still still because it's not actually public. It's not a public acknowledgement or ownership. Yeah. And the thing is, we hold businesses to a certain standard, not just LGBT venues. Every business needs to have a code of ethics and a code of conduct. And every kind of business owner has morals. Like, if you don't have morals, then what are you even doing? Okay, hold on there okay. a second. Cause I just want to bring Haley O'Connor in from the comms officer with UCC Students Union, because I, mm-hmm. I believe they came out in support of the LGBTQ plus community at the time. Haley, good morning. Morning, Harry. Good. Do you, are you also saying that the apology, Hi, I think David. you said, isn't much of an apology? Um, yeah, no, I don't I don't really think it's much of an apology. I don't think it was the correct way to go about things. I, I'm not going to stand here and say what was the correct way to go about things, but, I mean, surely we just get a few people together. There was a public meeting held. Surely someone from the Reardon's mm-hmm. group could have gone. And, like, if they came back, <clears throat> sorry, from the public meeting and said how people are feeling, I don't understand how what they got from that was let's put up an apology with the song over it. Like, it wasn't even a written letter. It didn't have the Rudin's group heading. Like, it was just, there was nothing proper about it. Okay, it's a bit watery. But weren't they trying trying to facilitate, because of the change, Freshers' Week, for the students you represent at UCC, right? (laughs) Yeah, well, I don't, I would like to think that the students I represent would eat that an eyelid whether there was a gay flag on the door or not but I would like to think that the students I represent that need that safe space would be able to acquire it and they weren't able to yeah. there was nowhere for them to go if they wanted to go to a gay bar which they should have the right to do What, what, is, the, what is the event that they're putting on now because I'd, I'd like to have details of that you call it a money, money grabbing exercise Haley. is it? Yeah, it's just it seems to be like that they're putting on cheap drink for the weekend as means of an apology. Yeah, so uh, just putting money back in there. Do you know what it is, it. Stephanie? I do. Yeah. What? They started it. They called it Fiverr Friday. What do you get for a fiver? All any drinks. Drink. Any drink for a fiver. But the thing is, it's like what they're after saying is basically here we'll give out cheap drinks. The queers will come back. 
it's like it's it's completely belittled what we were actually trying to get across. Free entry, and all drinks of Fiverr, DJ until oh, it's fucking gone from my bloody screen. But I think I get the chance. Yeah, five, uh, all DJ until it's on late, your page. all but weekend, you celebrating seventeen years as your choice of venue. As the venue of choice, yeah, that's a load of malarkey. <clears throat> so, are the LGBTQ plus going to go back and frequent? No, no. I, no. I wouldn't imagine so. No. Not from if you see the traction on Instagram right now from people even reacting to this so-called apology, people are hurt. They are furious. There's young, younger people in the community who are about 18, 19 now. And this is the first time they have faced any discrimination because they thankfully they didn't face a joint marriage equality referendum because they might have been that bit too young. OK, mm. but like this is the first bit of discrimination and hurt that they've possibly experienced. And it came from a venue that was supposed to protect them. But the the uh, the, the ad for Fiverr Friday and the events of the weekend, are you that ad is using your colours, though. So it's an invitation. <laughs> no, it's a slap to the face. Because they quite literally did not pay attention to anything that has been said either through the protests, through social media or through the community meeting that they sent a representative to, which they were advised to wait until the minutes were released to then take their next step. So what do you what do you wish to happen next? Both you and Haley. Haley, you're saying that the apology wasn't much of an apology. It's not enough. It's a money grabbing. What should happen now? There needs to be accountability, as far as I'm concerned, and a public statement, not a weak ass attempt on Instagram it needs to be a public statement a public address of it and then you need to progress to training you need to work with the local organisations like Link and Gay Project in the city that actually facilitate LGBTQI plus training for companies and they facilitate the training for staff members to make sure that they are inclusive and to make sure But should they they probably always were that because you wouldn't have been going in there if the staff weren't great That's because years ago it was actually owned by queer people and gay men and the staff was inclusive and this isn't against the staff inside chambers I would really like to stress that because the people behind the bar are my friends this is about the management this is about the higher ups it's about the casual decision to wipe an entire community away for the sake of a profit from straight students who thankfully did not even go in there because they were on our side Right, okay so where has the gay community gone to socialise? Since. Honestly, there's a few different places that people have been going. So I know um, the Oyster does an instinct night. Um, the PAV has been exceptionally supportive. They actually did um, a huge drag event on Sunday called Our House. I actually performed on it myself. I looked very handsome in my beard. I'm quite sure you so did. Uh, I'm quite sure you did. Um, drag um, drag King. Also, yeah. I know... I know the Spalpeen is doing a karaoke night with one of the other queens. There's loads of places actually want to have this to want to take this momentum because one, it's smart business, okay, it really is. But two, they're also questioning the community members, what can we do? And my advice to anyone who wants to be in an inclusive space, go to Link and go to Gay Project and get your training. Okay, okay. Um, it's accountability and it's a bare minimum that people should have to do. All right. Uh, just from the point of view of Haley at the Students' Union, you're the communications officer. Um, this is this is your job. This is your area of expertise. What advice would you give to Chambers and to Margaret and those involved in this apology? I'm not even too sure. I mean, like the damage is done. I do think the next step would be like an actual written apology and commitment to steps that they're going to take to better this. Like not oh come in and have a cheap drink. Like actual like Stephanie said, 
oh, this is the training we're going to do. We acknowledge that this is our shortfall. But honestly, I think that they're going to be too late. I think that someone else is going to fill mm-hmm. the gap in the market. And that's what's going to happen with oh, it. Oh, so, so that the LGBTQ community has, has moved on from Chambers, won't be going back. And there are other places that they're going to go to instead. Thank you very much. Yeah, I think I'd be, I'd be surprised just, if somewhere didn't fill the gap in the market. Okay, okay. Thanks, Haley. Final words. What do you want to say there? Yes, Seth? Just that it could have been resolved in so many other ways. It really could have. And this, it, like, when this stuff went up online yesterday, it fueled all of this anger again for people and okay. all of this hurt. Okay. And it genuinely could have been done better and it just wasn't. Okay. But thank you for giving us the airtime as well. grand girl, stay in touch. Thanks, Stephanie. Thank you, Haley at uh, UCC Students Union. The apology isn't enough. It hasn't gone far enough. In fact, it hasn't made a blind bit of difference. It's done the opposite, actually. The Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Just a quick one for you there. Back to the phone lines in two seconds. We're being encouraged to give someone a compliment today for National Compliment Day. Um, the youth that many mental health charity Jigsaw said that the right word at the right time can make a huge difference when a person is feeling stressed or anxious. And it's nice to give compliments. But do we or do you give compliments? Do we give enough compliments? Are we good to receive a compliment? Um, you know, get texting on that. Text 0868104106. Are we living now in a society where people don't? And we're all in our own little boxes and we don't want to offend. And so therefore we limit what we say and to who we say it. Um, and maybe that's a bad thing. Well, it's got to be a bad thing. Uh, it's about giving, but also you are worried about how people might interpret it. Maybe I'm just overanalyzing the whole thing. But do you give compliments? If not, why not? Text 0868-104-106. Right, I want to get back to the phone lines here and then a load of texts and some more to do between now and midday and we have live music to play us out again this morning. Sam, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. You worked in chambers. Were you security on the door? I was internal security and door security. Okay, for a long period of time. You just wanted to row in and give your thoughts on... um, Certainly Margaret's apology, right? LGBTQ+, plus, not happy with it. It's not going to change anything. They ain't going back to it as a venue, it seems. Your thoughts? Um, well, I'm actually part of the LGBTQI plus community myself. Um, and when I used to work there, now it was seven years ago, um, there was a different set of management in Reardon's. Um, and to be fair to them, they were very communicative with what sort of staff should be at the venue. Um, you know, they'd communicate with me and other security to see what suited if they changed um, staff at the venue and things. Um, Is it, did the sta- does the staff have to be um, gay community staff? No, they weren't. It wasn't a requirement. It never was a requirement. Okay. Now, however, I think because it was so inclusive back then, um, there was quite a lot of us from the community that did work there, but either behind the bar or on the floor, or there was actually quite a mixture of staff. Okay. Um, and things, and it was, I mean, it was great place to go to and everything like that. The staff were great. Um, there was more involvement in the community. Like, you know, they'd even invite, you know, kind of underage during the day to kind of hold events kind of thing. Like, Nana, obviously, everything was not. Oh, I know, I understand that. Kind of they thing. wouldn't be drinking. Um, but it was just kind of bringing up to show support. Um, you know, it was just getting that community feeling um, and stuff like that. And, and, and there so always was that. Did all of that change? Is that what you're suggesting? Yes, when there was a huge, massive shift in management. 
there was a massive, there was um, a lot of managers, I'm not going to say why they left or anything like that, but there was a push and a huge chunk of management that I used to deal with um, had no choice and they had to step away mm. from the premises. Mm. Um, now, that wasn't in Chambers, our, so we were connected with Reardon's. Mm. Um, it was Reardon's management that actually got pushed out. Mm. Um, okay, well, I won't go, in, stuff, I won't I won't go into I won't the detail into of, of that, but that. certainly there was a management but change, you say, and yes, things weren't the same. Yeah, huge management, yeah, and it changed everything. It just went downhill from there. I left... Um, I, I left about seven years ago um, to move on to a different um, job. Um, but, but did you still frequent the venue? Then, yes, I did. Because um, it seems everything was just fine and it was thriving and everybody was very happy and it was a well-known venue up until this decision to rebrand, albeit for Freshers' Week. Like there weren't, there no. was no issues before this. There, well, to be fair, there was issues. Now, when I worked there, there was always different nights. There was sinners, we had, you know, house night, we had everything. There was never an in, in, an issue with integration between the community, the LGBTQI community, and people that are straight. Um, there was never an issue. There was loads of people that are straight that used to frequent the venue and stuff like that. Yes, yes. But it was just, like, as, as Stephanie said before, Sinners has already been there. But the thing is, is that even in Freshers' Week, when I used to be there, never, ever did they take down the LGBTQI community posters. They're, you know, they, they left everything kind she of normal. She said it was a mistake. Normal. She's apologised. And through the... I, I understand that, but she knows that it's worked before, previously. I mean, thousands used to come in in Freshers' Week thousands and never it was an issue having those colours up or having but she said I failed the, she stuff. failed she said I got it wrong it wasn't my intention to alienate I offended I upset many of our customers I, I am very sorry is it the manner because the apology is sincere but is it the manager the manner of the apology where it was posted or what I think thinking from a business perspective which has been brought up previously um, with this going on when something hasn't, has always worked and th- you have thousands of people coming in that door and never before have the flags or anything like that stopped any of that business, why change it now? Why alienate your customers that are the ones that keep the place running on a mo- you know, all week I know, long I know, and keep the I, place opening and stuff so that why would you alienate I know that but is she, I know I understand that the manner, of the, the manner of the apology it, it has got say the likes of Stephanie angry and annoyed but at the same yeah. at the same time she knows what happened was wrong it shouldn't have happened. Uh, she knows she offended. She knows she upset. Is it now that they're, that you'd see this is a disingenuous apology driven by commercial needs to get the business back? Is that what you're saying? Yes, I think it is. Because for years, okay. this has been going on, but it's been going on behind the scenes. This is the first time it's gone public. Because not only is it just a case that the flags were taken down, staff like event staff and stuff like that that work there on a weekend basis and things like that regularly were also given extremely short notice and lost out in income and stuff like that. You can't do that to staff on a general sense, as a business sense. Like, it was a bad business decision okay. on her part. So you're never, never, you're never going back, is it? 
never. And I, I mean, I, I, I've, I love chambers. I've loved chambers and stuff that I loved working there. I loved the people there. I, it's such a community orientated business. And she has just gone away and blown it up. Okay, hold on there. Think, Ste- uh, okay, okay. Well, you can't put it any clearer than that, Stephen. Yes, Neil. Go ahead. How are you, sir? Listen, stay there, Sam, because I want you to respond to this. Stephen, go on. Okay. Who would he, like this community, they're dictating on how a business should be run. It's up to this lady how she wants to run her business. Like, I get the community and all that kind of setup, but it's her business. She's the one paying the overhead. She's paying the rent. She's paying the staff. Are these people in the pub every day to say that they're spending, what, five, six hundred euro a day? individually to keep the bar open. But hang on a second, it may well be your business. Forgive me now, I don't mean to cut across and maybe Sam wants to respond, but that business was built on the back of the patronage of the gay community for many years. But technically that's irrelevant. It's her business. Like the gay community have frequented the building. It hasn't technically been built. No, no, but, but they certainly them. made it popular. They, set, they certainly made, made it a popular. venue. That was Absolutely. very much in vogue. It's also a safe space for them, incidentally, because God knows they get enough grief as it is. And their, their customers down through the years were loyal. So it but may they, well be her bar, and she may well be able to do whatever she likes with it, but don't forget the people who made it what it is. No, 100%, but again, at the end of the day, it's still her business. If the community are that uptight, maybe they should set up their own bar. The people wouldn't they put their own money into a bar instead of leaving somebody else put all the overheads and all the money and all the responsibility and the insurance and blah, blah, blah for other people to tell her what she can do with her business. Oh, so if you, if you had a local in your own community, say in a suburb of mm-hmm. Cork, really, and it was a traditional old-fashioned pub and you loved going there for your couple of pints and meeting your mates, and it wasn't sold, but the owner, after years and years and years, decided that he was going to change the style of the pub. He was going to revamp it. He was no longer interested mm-hmm. in 40 or 50-somethings. He was going after the 20-something market and changed everything, put in jocks and put in music and changed all of mm-hmm. the lighting and everything. Um, where you just didn't fit any fit in anymore, you'd be okay with that, would you? It would be my business to dictate. It's the same as a, as a restaurant changing from Chinese to Indian. It's the same thing. You can't exactly tell a business owner what they can and can't do in their business. Okay, Sam. Hi, we're not saying that she can what she can and cannot do. We're just saying that if you push. Um, this support into the community and things like that and made it all about the community and have gained a lot from the community and from the staff that work in there. Let's remember that staff were given last minute notice and lost out in income in the, in the, the, the climate that we're in currently for people to lose out money as well on short-term notice. And it's not, let's say, they're, they're not as if they can go okay. and go on the, you know, straight onto the dole or No, it's not like about that. that. He was holding it on one particular thing. point. He's saying it's her bar, yes. she can do no, what she likes. No, I'm just saying, he keeps like saying about business, business decision. Change. As the business, business decision, if, if the business, yes, the business model has changed multiple times, as I have said previously. And it's changed However, they, they, however, we ha- there was always a sinner's night and there was never any change in the flags being taken down or the name being covered over or anything like but that. But that, that cover over a name change, Sam, just remind me again, was that, only for a, was that only planned to be for a week? 
As far as I'm aware, it was only supposed to be, but again, it was just to open to a different sort of clientele. But can I say, years ago, or every year when Freshers Week goes on, it never it never made a difference, the flags being up there. It never made a difference that Chambers was above because Sinners was always associated with Chambers. There was no need to go as and far as they say. There was no need okay. to go to the extent in which she did. For one week, I understand business they have to change and stuff of that to gain people and gain finance, financial what stability about, and things okay, like that. However, when it's only for a week, like an event, there is no need to strip it of its community feel, especially when it is community-based, and okay. that's how she's made okay, her Okay, you made the, the point. Years. You made it a couple of times. Thank you for that. Hold on. Stephen, what did you want to respond to? So, Niall, does the flag so def- define the community? So is it because a flag was taken down, arms thrown up in the air? Is that the whole reason behind it, or is it the fact that the lady is potentially looking at a new business model to potentially bring in new earnings? So is it the flag... Or the business model that has people bothered. Sam? Yes, um, sorry. The business model, can I, again, I will say it was only a week-long event. It's not a business change. Was it the, was it like ta- was it the painting over of the it. rainbows and the changing of the name, even for a it's, week? That's too much. Yeah. I think when she okay. has profited off of the community and she relies, and I will tell you, there has were weeks even when I was working there, where the only time she was able to open those doors and keep them open was because of the community and what they brought to her business. So she relied on it, and she really relied on them over COVID. But there's texts coming in, in now, there are texts coming in now, I know that, and, and fair play for keeping it going, but there are texts coming in saying that you're throwing the, you've thrown the rattler out of the pram here for the sake of a week. Oh no, I understand she has to do it for a week, but the thing is, I what my point is, is that she has, it's this business plan has been done before, but she never had to strip. Okay. She always, thousands upon thousands of people frequented chambers over the period of Freshers Week. Because she done this and stuff like that, it done the opposite effect. So as a business thing as everyone's saying it's all about business 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 this was one week it was an event for a week but she took stripped not only the outside but also the inside of everything and for people that keep her business open now not only are they from the community, to the community they're all yeah, distressed okay. yeah, yeah, no it yeah. had the opposite effect okay okay so on okay. freshers week previously she had thousands and now she had to shut the doors before one o'clock because of it by doing that there's such a diverse population out there and stuff and they need to have safe spaces it's not okay. just our community in general okay Fiona Off you go, Stephen. Thank you. Major points. Appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Go for it. Fiona, go ahead. I'm just listening there, and I just don't understand why if the community wants to be part of everything and be accepted that they're making such a big deal out of everything. You know, they don't want to be excluded. They want to be seen as community, but yet they still give out when something changes and I think people aren't going to accept the LBGQ community if there's such a big deal made out of it the whole time. Uh, they... It could just be 
They're very, they're very proud of their colours. They're very proud of, proud of their fat flag. They had to fight hard for the rights and the inclusion that they've got. I can remember I a word that. in the 80s, perhaps you do, when it was a very, very dark place to be different or alternative or gay. Um, so they fought hard for it. And it's like anybody's flag. It's personal. Yeah, I get that. But why is there such a division caused by it, though? Like, if people just got on with life and just accepted people for who they are, and there wasn't such a big deal made of everything, people wouldn't be making a big deal of it. Okay, okay. And just, I just, every every time something like this comes up, it just really annoys me because I have kids and I'm trying to teach them there's no difference between anybody. And then they hear this happening and like I have a son who's a teenager and he's like, but why, why are they making a big deal of this? And I'm like, I don't know because they're just part of the community, which they want to be part of the community, but they really don't want to be part of the community because when something like this happens, there's, there's war. You know. Mm, okay, interesting points. Uh, Sam, I'll give you an opportunity to respond to that before I move on, as in, you know. Yeah, no, again, I, do, I do appreciate everyone's points about it. Like, we do want to be part of the community. I think it's just when you've been pushed out for such a long period of time, as you said, Neil, it kind of creates this, um, I don't know, pushback. And it's not, I, I appreciate that woman's, thought that, you know, she wants everyone to be included. But unfortunately, there are people out there that don't feel the same. I think because, especially with everything going on with the libraries and everything going on with that, I think this, it's like, with everything going on, I think this is when all communities have to stand together. It's like, everywhere has community groups, everywhere has community places and stuff like that where they can go and talk and feel safe and things. We have a few of those and over the years and stuff like that, we've been very fortunate to have the spaces that we have and to feel safe and things. Like I remember when I first came out having to hide, can't show, show any affection to your partner, going to clubs underground and stuff like that because you're petrified for your own life. I've had many friends battered in hospital, all this kind of things. I Unfortunately, I was around when it was really bad and stuff. Now, I, you wouldn't even, if I walked down the street and stuff like that, you wouldn't know I was gay, all right? That's the way it should but be. But if you walk down the street now hand in hand with the same-sex partner, would you get grief? Yeah. Yes. You would? Yes. Name calls. Oh, I'm with my long with my long term partner, we we have children. We cannot act like an average family without getting grief and we're doing we're protecting our children from the negativity. Our children and plenty of other parents that like that lady teach their kids to be inclusive and everything like that. But unfortunately, because it's only happened, you know, in the last couple of years and stuff, it's going to take time for it to go nationally. So you would never be 100% relaxed if you were out? No. Okay. Okay. I have had it where I've been with my kids and my partner and we have had abuse. And that is unsafe. Name calling. Is it from from all generations and all age groups or what? Yes. But I think, again, it's a a huge thing. It is going to take a a good few years. It's taken us 
that long to even get to this point. And I, I, so you can understand the flag was a huge thing for us. Do you know, it is, it's the same in different communities, not just ours, and stuff like that. And okay. there never no, seems okay. to be an issue when right. other communities outside of ours okay. stand okay. up for how they feel and everything like that. And all we want to do is again, be a part of the community, be accepted, and be okay to go but out she's with reached, our family and people like this. Absolutely, but she, just finally, but she has reached out a hand of apology, and it would have seemed to me, Margaret has, that, that it's mm. been slapped away. Well, I think because of the way it was handled and stuff that, like, I understand if you're a business manager or owner and stuff like that, you were, even if she didn't make that decision... She should have known by her managers, she should have been able to trust those managers and things like that, like she did years ago when she had good managers and things to make the correct decisions for her business. And if there has never been an issue prior, why change? All right. Thank you both. Thank you all. Undoubtedly, I get some more calls and texts on this. Des says it sounds like the students have all gone back to their locals and chambers are groveling, groveling perhaps to try and get their former customers back again. One wonders, it certainly would appear this morning that it's too little, too late. Back after the break, text 0868104106. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now, 0868104106. Red FM. Anything we don't finish with this morning, we'll come back to on Monday. Free Food Friday shout-outs for everybody at Drina National School, to Mulrock Construction, working hard out on the Model Farm Road, building stone who are working in Dripsy, porters of the South Infirmary, working very hard and listening. Morning, Brendan. The Elm Tree in Glanton, love the food there, would love to be fed because it's been a crazy week. Morning to Helen, Magic Vacations in Kinsale, organising dream holidays, putting smiles on faces. Morning to you all down there. The Pharmacy Department in the South Infirmary, Victoria, would love to share some chicken. EMH Technical Services out in Ballancolig. To everybody at Joe's Edge, Hair Salon and Blarney. Stonemasons.ie, still building that shed in Ring of Skiddy. Ego Hair Salon and Cover, working hard and listening. St. Vincent's Care Homes in Mary's Road. Morning, Michelle. GC Auto Spares and Moy in Mitchellstown, Brendan and the gang, Eng Tech Engineering Supplies, all very hungry. O'Connor Pool Opticians in Blackpool are listening. Uh, lunch, please. Poor old Sharon is under the weather but still came to work today with a smile on her face. Cope Foundation in Fromoy, Metric TriStar in Donnybrook, um, everybody at Carrigaline Cheese who are taking Christmas orders already. Is it any wonder their cheese is delicious? Uh, Lidl in Toker, particularly Jess on the till. She was kind and patient on Wednesday when I forgot my purse. I was mortified. She even paid for my items. It's beyond amazing. And it certainly is. Hassett's Bakery in Carrigaline would love some feeding. All the bakers are busy. In fact, Claire says their, jo- their chocolate jelly star biscuits are the best. And Riverstick Motors who are working hard on all vehicles at the moment and starving. So we'll do one more shout out this side uh, of uh, midday today. We're going to be played out today by Rowan live in studio. Dylan, Peter and Mick are going to play for us. They're going to set up and get us out. But earlier in the week, and I think I might be coming back to this as well on Monday, we put up the post on Facebook. I was wondering, um, you know, as the autumn is closing in and kids are back in school um, we're looking at um, what's the most popular cooked um, dinner in Cork kitchens these days. I'm not talking about takeout now I'm not talking about something frozen banging it in the oven, I'm talking about a sit-down Cork dinner and we asked you to tell us what your favourite foods would be. I was telling you stories for me it would be 
a good old-fashioned um, fish pie with cheese or a shepherd's pie with Worcester sauce, those kind of things. Um, it's amazing the responses we got. And here are some of them. Shepherd's pie. Many people agree with me on that one. Bacon and cabbage with turnip white sauce and brown sauce on top. Lots for bacon and cabbage, actually. Um, or a stew with a fresh skull, crusty bread and proper butter on the side. That sounds fabulous. Another one here for bodice and turnips. Um, bacon and turnip with cabbage and white sauce, a shepherd's pie or a chicken casserole. Spaghetti bolognese did very well, as did lasagna, but many people were saying things like, you can't beat a good stew. Mine's a curry with chicken ties, nothing out of a jar. Jar. Um, a stew is the favourite one. My husband's nanny used to make it with vegetable soup, and that's how I've made it since I married him, with mash on the side. How about a liver hot pot? That's a new one on me. Loads for shepherd's pie. Um, let's not forget, and I did see a few, I thought there'd be more, a good old-fashioned plate of mince with gravy and potatoes on the side. Nothing nicer. Maybe a bit of brown sauce added to it. Loads for stews, I have to say. Lots then for bodice, funnily enough. One or two for tripe and rasheen. Um, what else am I seeing here? A lamb stew or a beef stew? On Friday, man makes fish pies with smoked haddock, white sauce, onions and creamy mash. I always make it now because it always reminded me of ma'am at home. We always had it on a Friday. Lots for bacon and cabbage. A good old chicken chasseur. Um, a pearl barley stew meal with stewing beef. I love pearl barley. And that is a really, really important ingredient in a good stew, isn't it? So loads like that. I suppose if we were to look at the top three, and I want to put this point actually uh, to Neil Daly, who's the chef down in Kelly's Kitchen, and they do all of the traditional cork dishes on their menu every day. Neil, good morning, chef. Good morning, Neil. How are you? The top three were a good old-fashioned stew, followed by bacon and cabbage, and also shepherd's pie. Those seem to be the top three cooked dinners in cork kitchens at the moment. What do you make of that? Well, it's true, yeah, yeah, it's true. The people love bacon and cabbage, they're in every day for it and cooking it every day. I, I actually have one in the oven at the moment. <laughs> and uh, I get it from Ballyborn and Ballincollig. One of the things I noticed, actually, is an awful lot of people seem to be replicating in their own homes the lovely dinners their mammies made when they were kids. Yeah, and I still own it in Cork. My father started in 1989 with his brother, and I'm just keeping the old school going in Cork City. And I have people every day in, and they love the mash and veg they get. And I does all corned beef and cabbage. Uh, your corned beef and cabbage, cabbage is award-winning. Yeah. It's Silverside, I think, isn't it, Chef? Sil- Angus Silverside, yeah. But isn't it interesting, though, the amount of people that actually responded to the survey talking about bodice, bodice and cabbage, bodice, bodice and pod spuds, bodice and cabbage spuds and carrots. Yeah, like I'm that. actually doing bodice tomorrow. How do you, do you just boil it? You just boil it away and you just test it yourself, take out a bit and have a munch off it and you can tell if it's cooked or not. It'll take a good few hours, a good four hours anyway at least. One of the things I've noticed actually, pot, like. you know when people talk about replicating the food that their mammy's cooked, I'm assuming that they're also teaching their own kids. Like parents need to keep their kids in the kitchen, don't they, to understand oh. how to cook. Do you agree? I did it when I was young. My father used to take me hunting and fishing and that's what I think I started. We used to go home with rabbits and we used to make a rabbit stew. And we used to have brown trout for dinner. And uh, he was a chef, so I just, it's in the blood, I think. <laughs> we didn't ask people about afters or dessert, though. If you were to hazard a guess, what would you say would be the most popular dessert or afters in a car kitchen? Apple crumble. Would it? 
and custard, yeah. They just love, the foreigners love it. <laughs> and uh, the trifle, I still do trifle and I still do rice pudding. And I still do the old jelly and ice cream. Well, on your menu now for desserts right now, there's creamy rice pudding, trifle and cream, jelly and ice cream. Couldn't be better Apple than that. Crumble. Apple crumble, a double, double chocolate fudge cake. Yeah, be interesting. Yeah, that's that. not today. Um, Emma makes them. She's another chef here. She makes all them in the weekend. She does all her own prep. She's brilliant. And uh, we do peach melbourne and there's all different desserts then at the weekend. We have little treats, you know. So would yeah. So if you were making a shepherd's pie, right? Would it be beef? Mm-hmm. You'd make it. Would you add a bit of Worcester sauce, a bit of brown sauce, or what would you do with it? Yeah. The lean parents and the, the tomato paste at the end with the gravy. I'd eat, I'd eat shepherd's pie every day in my life, yeah. actually. Well, shepherd's pie then is the lamb, or else you go to college pie with beef. Oh, my God, I forgot so, that. That's the difference, isn't it? Shepherd's pie and cork yeah. is with beef, and it, that's actually, we're all yeah. eating cottage pies, are we? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's just, it actually just looks the same. So, but, what's your favourite cork dinner yourself? I know you're busy cooking them all the time, but what if you were to pick uh, one? Well, the nicest thing I ever is Bally Burns bacon in Balling College. And just when it comes out of the oven, give it 10 minutes and it's just beautiful with white sauce or parsley sauce. And cabbage? And cabbage, oh yeah. I just, like, if you came into Kelly's today now, you would get probably five veg or six veg on your plate with mashed potatoes. All for fifteen euro fifty. You can't no, beat it in a 20 big... 20 euros. It's 20 euros now for a four course. Well, oh, for four different pieces of food? Yeah. Sure, it costs that to make soup. Mother of God. So you, get, well, so you get a starter, a main course, dessert and tea or coffee for 20 euro. 20 euro, yeah. <laughs> That's insane. That's insane. I got a bowl of fairly medi- I got a bowl of fairly mediocre pasta in South Kerry there last week. It cost me 22 euro 50. Oh, yeah, I've seen it myself. I was in hotels and the dinner I got, I didn't get vegetables with it. So have you customers for 30, 40 years? How how many times a week would they come in? Well, you're talking John, just Kevin, just Declan. I can name most 20 of them now in my head and the lads are in nearly four times a week. Go away. And they're still going kicking strong. Eating the bacon and cabbage and the Irish lamb stew, T-bone steaks yeah. to die for. Yeah, I'll be starting the, the stew again now for the winter as it gets getting colder and the lads love the stew on a Saturday and he gets all the lamb then from uh, Nolan's and Fairhill they have the best to meet I'm so happy I'm delighted for you that business yeah. is thriving why wouldn't it be regards to you and Olivia and all the staff you won't meet a better bunch of people you really Thanks won't very much um, so the top three and, uh, stew, bacon and cabbage and shepherd's pie and the, the most popular one as well is uh, turkey and ham they just love turkey and ham it's like Christmas I add it on the menu every day. Yeah, often. I yeah. often wonder about that though, because I do love it. But I'm wondering, does it take from Christmas if you could have it any time of the year? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just a lovely dinner. <coughs> all right. And well, uh, listen. Yeah, I'm going to plow ahead here, man. It's good to catch up with you. I'll see okay. you for lunch again soon. All right. Get back to work. <laughs> right. Get back Thanks to work. Much, Neil. Cheers. Check it out, lads. Check out Kelly's on Oliver Plunkett Street. It's upstairs. But anyone that's given you a four course meal for twenty euro, I take it all day long. Sarah, very quickly, go ahead. Hi, Neil, how are you? Good, good. You get married yesterday? I sure did, yeah. Okay, congratulations. Where? In Blackrock Castle, in Cork City. How did it go? Really good, and it stayed dry, so very happy. We were able to take pictures by the marina, so it was fantastic. Who would you get married to? Paul Holly. <laughs> what about the weather? 
It was okay. As compared to Wednesday, we have to say it was uh, a really You're lucky you didn't get married on Wednesday, Wednesday, I can tell you, girl. Anyway, listen, I wish I had more time to chat, but I don't. But um, as being a new arrival, a reasonably new arrival to, to Cork, what do you make of our food? Um, I have to say, like, I like the variety and uh, I can understand the flavours and a lot of the recipes. But I think you also have a lot of restaurants now that they are coming uh, with a lot of new ideas. Yeah, different food. We're talking all around we're, the world. Yeah, so. we're trying to talk about what would be traditional cork. Have you ever had tripe and drasheen? Have you ever had bodice? Have you ever had bacon no. and cabbage? <laughs> Yeah, bacon and cabbage, I did, uh, but it wouldn't be one of my, my favourites. I would prefer a bit more spices in the food. And Where are you more. from, though, originally? Spain. From Spain? <laughs> we have a different <laughs> diet to us, then. I'm not so sure the corned beef and cabbage would do you, would it? <laughs> no. <laughs> we have uh, a lot of different dishes. But I have to say, though, it's good to see, as well, other countries. When you travel, try their cuisine, so it's something you need to yeah. well be open and try. So I know. I'm st- I know, it is. And I'm, but I'm still glad that Cork people anywhere are voting for stews and bacon and cabbage and shepherd's pie and what have you. Um, maybe I think you should- I'm missing one, though. I think Cork is also very popular curry a homemade curry to be honest with you I looked at the list and there are pages and pages and pages and I don't think I saw any curries I'm open to correction on that one Um, I'm quite sure that um, a homemade curry would go down a storm but listen congratulations on the marriage may you have many happy years together all the best with your thermo mix apparently that's what you cook all of your food in I believe is it yeah, it's a fantastic kitchen appliance and if you don't have a chef at home, it can help you a lot and it's like another pair of hands in the kitchen so it makes it really easy. Pile and everything into it. One of my favourites. Pile yeah. everything into it and it'll cook it for you. All right, got to keep moving, guys. Okay. Take care, Sarah, and congratulations. Back after the break, text 0868104106 and we'll pick up on all aspects of the conversation. We've got live music in studio after the break. Rowan, live in studio with Dylan and Peter and Mick. Back after these. The Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red F. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 0818-104-106. I want to talk about innocence. I didn't need your innocence. It didn't take no innocence And nothing makes no innocence Well, I won't stand here feeling like an imagine heap Wasted daylights worse than intentional stealing I just feel like Nothing's gonna change, nothing's gonna change it I just feel like Nothing's gonna change, nothing's gonna change And on wasted daylight Everything will change, everything will change And I just feel like Nothing's gonna change, nothing's gonna change It's only freaking Well, I won't stand here Feeling like an imagine heap Wasted daylight 
lights worse than intention I'm stealing I just feel like nothing's gonna change nothing's gonna change and I just feel like nothing's gonna change nothing's gonna change and I'm wasted daylight everything will change everything will change and I just Nothing's gonna change, nothing's gonna change, yeah. song but yeah. i think your man loses his old doll does he small bit <laughs> it's kind of yeah but losing a lot <laughs> but still it's a happy tune mm. well done you guys are big on the circuit at the moment it's reading that you did electric picnic you did indie you've done cypress avenue you've done the galway folk festival Wheelands, collins you're already working on your second album yes we are we just finished recording it and um, so that'll be released next year okay um, it's fantastic stuff if i use my time wisely i might be able to get another short song maybe okay. a frank and walters cover i'm yeah, told yeah. Okay, so what is it? we got Peter from Cove, we got Mick from uh, playing bass from... Uh, Kilkenny. Yeah, I know, that always gets that kind of reaction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're welcome, boy. That's it. Oh, look, I'm here about 12 years You're now. You're working on the Cork accent. This is it. When I go up home, everyone's like, oh, you live in Cork, do you? That's <laughs> it, yeah. And Dylan, who's not too far from us, what, born and reared on Blarney Street, yeah, I think. Yeah, that's Nari, boy. Well, yeah, great sound, though. Fabulous sound. Thanks so much. Okay, um, listen, hang in there, because if we use the time wisely, we'll get a second one in, and if I just shut my mouth, we will anyway. Stephen! Yeah. How's it going? Where are you? Euro Car Parts in Wilton. Yeah. Okay, so how many of you are there? There, there's, there, I count, we don't count. We go up between 25 to 30. Oh, mother of God, there'll be mayhem. Yeah. I don't have enough food for 30 of you. What are you going to do about that? Oh, sure, we'll just have to make a walk. Send 20 people out on messages, will you? Yeah, go off, All right. How many have you got around the, on the, around the phone right now? Uh, around 10. Okay, so give us a big weekend shout out from everybody at Euro Car Parts in Wilton. <laughs> All right, give us, give us another one. Give us another one. I love it, I love it. That's a great one. So there's food on the way. Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas, and Blackpool Retail Bar will be feeding as many as we can, as many as we can for Euro Car Parts in Wilton. Perfect. Enjoy, man. Thanks for listening. Perfect. Thanks very much. Not at all. Take care. Congratulations. It's on the way. Loyal listeners, we'll do Free Food Friday again next week.
that we've been through I know that we fight And the love gets pushed to the side Still it ends alright After all, I really need you I don't know how I'd live without you Have a great weekend. That's Rowan, the band, doing it proud for the Frank and Walters. You can actually listen to a lot more of their music on Spotify. And a great way to finish up the show. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'll see you Monday. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.